Welcome to Hero Rewatch. I'm Austin. I'm the little brother. I'm Marley. I'm the big brother. And, and we're we're 12 years apart. We're watching the Marvel movies. Let's start over. You don't like it? How can you be so bad at this? <laughs> what do you mean? That's not. We're supposed. Is this to... how it's supposed to go? No, you're not. We didn't introduce you yet. Oh. Start over. Cue the redo the music. Start the music again. Welcome to Hero Rewatch. I'm Austin Halpern Grazer. I'm Marley Halpern Grazer. I'm 36. Uh, I live in California and I write superhero cartoons, but I'm not in California right now. Austin, where are you usually? I'm usually in Brooklyn, New York. I'm 24 and I work for the library now, which is exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. Yeah. Um, and currently, we're both in upstate New York at the house we're from. Yeah, it's finally uh, the point of the pandemic when we can cautiously travel back home and see our parents. <laughs> and uh, we get to do this in person for the first time, uh, for the first time ever. Because, you know, this is where me and Austin both lived uh, until I left when he was just a little boy. And we've spent most of our life on separate coasts talking about Marvel comics and Marvel movies on the phone. Yep, and we're we're outside in the beautiful Adirondack breeze. You might be able to hear some birds chirping, some cars vrooming. Yeah, we are right by the road. <laughs> yeah, we're, but like it's a it's a pretty woodsy road. Like the road is only leading to a lake. Like I don't want you to think we're in like a city center. Oh yeah, we can't see another house from where we're sitting. It's our parents' house and trees is all is all that's around us. Uh, and so we're going to keep doing what we've been doing, uh, but now in person, uh, which is uh, talking about uh, some Marvel Studios movies because we, we love them and uh, we talk about them a lot, but we don't really rewatch them. No, we don't. Will I still have the same opinions about these movies now that I am back at my parents' house again <laughs> and Marley is also back at his parents' house again? Find out on Hero Rewatch. Hero Rewatch. And uh, uh, we have a very special uh, guest uh, with us uh, today. Um, Wait, really quickly, Marley. There's something our fans are going to finally get the answer to. Which one of our parents' last name is Grazer and which one of our parents' last name is Halpern? Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, me, me and Austin have both of our parents' last names and get ready to have that mystery solved as we introduce to you our father, Jeffrey Halpern. <laughs> Hello, guys. I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to have you here for the podcast. I just want to say hello. We're, we're so glad. It's such an honor. It's, I mean, in so many ways, none of this would have been possible without you, both because we wouldn't exist and we wouldn't uh, care about Marvel superheroes as much as we do. Uh, Jeff, I also would just like to say hello. Welcome to the pod. <laughs> well, Welcome. <laughs> It's so weird being in human space with this. Oh, yeah. It makes me, I want to just start doing like an NPR host impression. Oh, yeah, do it. What's your best, are you going to do, who, who, when you say NPR host, who, who are you thinking? Are you Ira Glass. Oh, okay, yeah, do your best Ira Glass. I can't do a good Ira Glass. Do you have a good one, Marley? Yeah, I'll do uh, uh, Kai, Kai Rizdal, who does, yeah. uh, uh, what's The it? Numbers? Marketplace, right? Yeah, let's do The Numbers. Yeah, Hi, everybody, I'm Marley Halpern Grazer. Uh, the numbers are all bad, uh, the, the percentages are down. The uh, the T notes are up. The ten year no, it's the ten year T notes. We're gonna break it all down for you. The Fed's going crazy. This is marketplace. I'm Ira Glass. It's gonna this story's gonna start out a little bit heartwarming, and and then they're they're gonna die, 
and the situation in the country is really bad. But the situation in Marvel movies is very good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, wait, did we say we're watching Avengers? No, we didn't. It's Avengers! Yeah, we're doing a very special episode, a very special team-up crossover episode for a very special team-up crossover movie! We're doing the Avengers! It's the end of phase one, it was all building to this, and our podcast was all building to this. All of us in person talking about this movie. Uh, So uh, I want to start very quickly just with I just wanted to ask one general Marvel question of Jeffrey before we uh, start talking about Avengers in particular. So, uh, Jeffrey, when when did you start reading superhero comics? I think the first superhero comics I started reading, I was about eight years old. Okay. Which would take us to be in 1965. Okay, 1965. And I know that you you did really like DC Comics as a kid, right? Like, you liked, you liked Superman and Flash and Batman, right? Yeah. Yes, Flash was my favorite superhero for many years, and still is, almost. Yeah, so that's what I... So I know that you still really like Flash, but we didn't grow up with, like, any Flash comics in the house. I didn't grow up really hearing that much about Flash. Like, it was really all Marvel. Do you remember why you started pretty much only reading Marvel comics, even though you loved the Flash so much? It just seemed that when the X-Men came on and, and Fantastic Four, the stories were much more interesting and much more like the old science fiction stories, which I was into before I was into comic books at all. Yeah, I think that's a that's that's a, a good answer, uh, and uh, so I think this is going to relate directly to Avengers. But who who would you say is now your favorite Marvel? So I know Flash is still one of your favorite superheroes. Who's your favorite Marvel superhero? Well, Thor is my favorite person. <laughs> I, I was really into Norse mythology even before I was into uh, for, for I read comic books and knew, knew about comic books. So Thor just sort of dominates the landscape to me. Okay, so favorite, yeah, favorite person yeah favorite superhero favorite god favorite real historical being yes i feel like i wish i was thor okay great uh and uh yeah so thor's in this movie were you excited i was very excited the fact of having to be able to use the modern technology to have thor fight hulk is like a dream come true it was was pretty good uh so i guess i'm going to start off our podcast on a contentious uh note uh i feel like when Hulk and Thor fought on the helicarrier and you know we'll get to why that happened a little later I feel like Hulk was winning that fight and if it had kept going Thor would have been in some real trouble what do you think about that Jeffrey well you know it was just a taste in that one obviously they fought much longer in in, uh, the later Thor movie but I think that uh, it's pretty clear that if Thor uses the hammer he can beat Hulk I, I don't know he had the hammer in that fight and it wasn't going so well for him I don't really remember it that way. If, if you're just using the um, movies as context, Thor kind of wins in Ragnarok without the hammer, too. That's true. But that is the point of that movie, is that he he realizes he doesn't really need the hammer and then realizes he actually totally needs a hammer. Also not fair, because it is a Thor film. That's true. And you, then you get, un, you get unfair turf advantage. If it's your film, if it's your comic, you're the best one. Yeah. I also don't know, it wasn't in the movies, but you guys probably remember the, the times when Hulk tries to trick Thor into putting the hammer down and fighting without the hammer. And a couple of times he's, he did it. And Thor did say, I could beat you without the, I could beat you without the hammer. I'm going to put it down. And then he loses. Okay. So you, you do feel like Hulk is physically stronger than Thor, but the, the magical hammer Mjolnir gives Thor the edge. That's the way I. That's what I remember it. Okay, I think I think you're probably right. I think the text probably supports you. I will say this is not related to the movies because unfortunately, oh, it's a motorcycle. Wow! Uh, 
Uh, this is not related to the movies because unfortunately this character has not shown up in the Marvel Studios yet. But as a kid, uh, it was very uh, one of my favorite characters was was Thor. But also I really really loved the Silver Surfer. Uh, mm. Dad also had a lot of Silver Surfer comics in the house, and I really felt that the Silver Surfer's power cosmic would be able to overcome Thor uh, if they were really really went at it. But there is actually a comic where Thor has turned evil. And Silver Surfer's trying to fight him, but, like, without hurting him too much. And then Silver Surfer's like, all right, no more. I am unleashing the full power cosmic, and you won't even know what hit you, Thor. And Thor very easily defeats Silver Surfer. And uh, it was a real blow to me as a child that uh, Dad was right, that Thor could beat Silver Surfer. Do you remember that? Yes, I did remember that very well. It was one of the high points of my uh, intellectual career, <laughs> being right about that. And Thor, because Thor, from what I understand, Thor's the dominant hero in the whole Marvel verse. So there you go. Yeah, I think I think you're right. For example, really Thor and Hercules should be about the same, but Thor could easily beat Hercules in the comic books world. Yes, that's true. Yeah, like myth mythologically they should be well, they, they should be they should be the same really. Yeah, but in Marvel they just they've decided that in this universe Thor is much more powerful than Hercules. Uh, yeah, so uh, Austin. Interesting stuff, if you can believe it. <laughs> um, and if I could just say one more thing. Uh, the yeah. whole Marvel heroes been very important to me in my personal philosophy and much because I think that the world needs heroes. And the world always needs heroes, and I think that's the key reason why, you know, from uh, if you want to talk about archetypes or why, why these comics work for so many people. Because we need heroes to inspire us. It's a very difficult world we live in. And we can all be like Thor. And this is a good moment for me. One thing I said a lot, I don't, I'm sure I've said it to you at some point, Dad, is that I feel like in our house growing up, Marvel Comics was like the religion in our house. Because I grew up just hearing you and Marley sharing these stories, as I just heard again, um, sitting here, of just like these, yeah, mythological, yeah, and these like mythological characters the same way that you would like debate Cain and Abel, I guess, or like, like yeah, who do you think text. would win, Austin, between, in a, in a, in a real no-holds-barred fight between Cain and Abel, who do you think is coming out on top of that, who do you got? Oh, me? Cain all the way, if he has his cane, <laughs> if he has his cane, <laughs> if he has his magical cane. <laughs> but if, okay, what if Abel tricks Cain into putting the cane down, uh-huh. then who wins? Then Abel's a little bit more able-bodied. <laughs> okay. We're not Christian. <laughs> it was good to hear you talking about that, laying down your uh, the philosophy on why you think these are important. They were like saints to us, kind of. Yeah. And there's always differences of people which saint has the best philosophy, which saint has the strongest lo- strongest faith, the most loyalty. Yeah. Like for example, it's really big thing is that uh, you know the whole thing all along is that no no, no one can pick up Thor's hammer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hulk can't pick it up. Definitely can't. But Captain America did it. It's true. It was very exciting. That yeah. was like, it just blows you away when you think about the implications of that. Yeah. That that was a big one for me because uh, Captain America picked up Thor's hammer for the first time in the comics, like before I started really reading comics. And so dad used to just tell me as a, as a, a historical truth that one time Captain America was able to pick up Thor's uh, hammer and uh, then I did eventually get a hold of that issue uh, later in life and read it and it was this feeling of like it's it's true it's all true the legends were true he really did it really makes you wonder what's possible in life it does (laughs) and then yeah it's just this exciting moment that then this you know your foundational text that then turned out to be true 
was now in the highest grossing film of all time. <laughs> yeah. Everyone in the world has now seen Captain America pick up the hammer. Yeah, everybody knows that uh, Thor and Hulk fight each other sometimes now. Uh, uh, so, yeah, Jeff, do you remember? Well, I guess you basically already said that. Um, I know for, for me, I think I was really, I, I was really surprised surprised by how great Iron Man was and how much I loved Iron Man the movie because I was not that excited about Iron Man the character before. Do you remember how you as a longtime Marvel fan, what did you feel about how did you feel about Iron Man before these movies? Did you think about Iron Man very much at all? Iron Man wasn't really that important a, a, a comic book character to me. Uh, Tony Stark was not very likable. The whole weapon cell stuff. But I think obviously in the movies Robert Downey Jr. just one brought that character to life. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true. So, but also I don't know how much if you if you if your fan base reaches out to people that don't know that much about Marvel, really. The reason yeah. why the thing is so amazing about Captain America being able to um, pick up the hammer is Captain America has no superpowers at all. Captain America has no magical powers at all. Captain America is a regular human being, the ultimate potential of a regular human being, but without any superpowers, he could do something that nobody else can do. No, I mean, we, I think we talked about this when we watched the Captain America movie that I understand why they made Captain America actually super strong in the movies, basically just because it's really cool. But it does take a little bit away from the character that he's super strong in the movies because such a big part of him in the comics is that he's not super strong and he's standing there next to Thor giving Thor orders and Thor's like, right away, Captain. Well, yeah, but the way that his powers work in the comics is confusing because he takes a serum that does make him almost superhuman but not superhuman he's just at the very edge of what is possible for a human to do which it, it's like a little bit you know he, he is taking super steroids in the comics too yeah yeah of course but if you remember the, the crossover fight with dc which didn't really pan out as well as it did captain america fought batman and it was a draw they they could have fought forever because they're both the ultimate potential of what a human being could be i do feel honor bound to regretfully inform everyone as a uh, gainfully employed uh, writer for uh, Warner Brothers and the DC Universe Batman did actually uh, win that fight uh, the the tunnels that they were fighting in flooded and Captain America threw his shield at Batman and Batman threw his batarang at Captain America and uh, the shield missed and the batarang hit Captain America in the head and officially they were evenly matched they probably could have fought forever but officially Batman did win I don't remember like that either. <laughs> um, it does make sense if you think about it because uh, a Batman has a plane. Yeah. <laughs> and a car. <laughs> he could ride the car into him. He did. Yeah. But yeah. It would have been a lot less exciting if Batman had won by just running Captain America over with the Batmobile repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. That's what I would have done in his situation. <laughs> Now, if you want me to say something, I don't like what they did with the movies changing from the comics. I don't like at all what they did with Bucky. Oh, no, really? I don't like the character. I don't like Adol Bucky. I don't like Winter Soldier, whatever he became. I think, if anything, they should have brought back 12-year-old Bucky. Interesting. You, you do. You, you, so we had, we had talked about this, because so, all that adult Bucky stuff in Winter Soldier is in the comics. It's just from like recent comics, but you didn't read those comics, and so you don't like that stuff. I don't remember it like that. <laughs> you don't remember? You've read comics with the Winter Soldier in them. You know he's in the comics. I've seen you read a comic with Winter Soldier Can in it. Can we just... I'm Marley, I feel like you're... Uh, this is, you know, getting caught in the in the details. Dad, are, is what you're saying is you wish that they had a child soldier in the movies? <laughs> I guess I guess as, as opposed to Robin, which I really like, I, I just think it changed. I, I, I've seen... I've read, read, you're, you're right, Marley. I've read comic books with Winter Soldier, and I don't like the character very much. 
I don't think it really adds very much to the whole Marvel universe. But you do think that in the movie, Bucky should have been 12 years old fighting with a machine gun in World War II? It would have been awesome. Okay, you're right, I'm Austin. Really... That, was, that was the more relevant detail. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 the, that's the detail you want to drill down on. Because <laughs> that's shocking to hear. And I'm excited. I thought you were going to dodge the question, and you did not. <laughs> well, the thing is, you got to realize, I told you, because we're growing up, there's a difference between make-believe and the real world. Mm. And you could support things. I could support things that make believe in the real world would horrify me. Mm-hmm. That is true because you know uh, one of in addition to passing down the the legacy of Marvel Comics to us, another thing that me and Austin learned from you is the the pacify of, of pacifism. And like like you, we consider ourselves pacifists. And yeah, do do you think there's any kind of a, a contradiction in being a pacifist yourself, but really enjoying very violent media? No, I think as long as you have a. a, a good understanding that there's a difference between the real world and say martial arts movies or comic books and that they, you know that doesn't always cross over comic books are fun and we need fun things and we also need heroes so you think that like you can take the moral lesson of captain america and then use that in ways besides kicking someone so hard that they fly off the screen yes we can talk about the Avengers movie at all? Yes, we have. We're, we've been talking we're, about we're it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of it? Well, the two things that jump out to me, which actually we talked about a lot already, is the fight between Thor and Hulk, which I think could have gone on for much, much longer. In fact, they've done it since then, but going into that movie, half the movie could have been them fighting for me. The other thing is that I think Coulson became a star. And I think, if, I, if I'm not wrong, Coulson is the first Marvel character that didn't start in the comic books, started in the movies. And it, it's a real accomplishment that he he's one of my favorite Marvel people. Not a little less than he used to be, but he I, I really like Coulson a lot. And he came into his own during that movie, I think. Yeah, Avengers is certainly uh, when Phil Coulson, Agent Phil Coulson, became a, a real standout character for everyone. And then, uh, yeah, Jeff, you, you have actually done something that I bet no one listening to this podcast has done, which is you have watched every episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Yes, I have. What, uh, we're never going to do an episode about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Over my dead body, will we do an episode about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? So let's do it now. What do you think of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Well, I thought it was really mixed bag. I think when they first started it, they didn't really know what to do with it because they hadn't done the, um, finished the Thanos stuff. I think, so they, and then, I didn't like the last season that much, but the middle was great. The stuff they did with the X-Men... I mean, with the uh, Inhumans, I think it's some of the best stuff that, that I've ever seen. That was a very telling slip, though, because they definitely were using the Inhumans because they didn't have the rights to the X-Men. That was very clear. <laughs> yeah, and I think also the stuff with uh, Ghost Rider was also tremendous. They just should have let Ghost Rider speak. Oh, yeah, yeah, he never really... Well, actually, what do you think about... Okay, well, we can go back to Avengers. My only criticism of the Avengers depiction of Hulk is that Hulk doesn't really talk in this Avengers movie. What do you think about that? Yes, they, that was... I don't know why. They should have Hulk talk. Hulk, Hulk is one of the most funniest, likable characters when he talks. Yeah. yeah I agree. And I, I, you know... It shows the subtlety of his personality. They just weren't brave enough yet. Yeah. They were building up to it. They, As you can see, you know, as these movies go, Hulk talks more and more every time he shows up. Yeah. Like the interaction between Hulk and Thor and Ragnarok is, is just classic. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, I love that stuff. Very good. Thor, bad friend. <laughs> Thor, purity friend. Yeah, so Dad, in your perfect world where you're Thor, are you friends or enemies with the Hulk? Or what? Yeah, yeah. It goes back and forth. It's situational. Okay. Yeah, it's heavy. Do you, but you, you really do, you see yourself, though, more as Thor, not as, not as Hulk. 
Yeah, I, I think I, I relate more to Thor. And Thor really, going back to the Norse mythology, was really kind of headstrong and pulled himself off a little bit. But then he became more humble as he went along. That's actually a really uh, good thing, and we haven't gotten to talk about this yet on the podcast, but I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> so, cool. yeah, I'm Spider-Man. I guess I kind of think I'm Hulk. <laughs> Okay. I'm not like the strongest, obviously, but I. I you're you're the dumbest. Yeah, the dumbest. <laughs> I'm the dumbest Avenger, I guess. Uh, I I I I empathize with how Hulk is overwhelmed by his emotions and what's happening around him, and it just makes him really angry and tired. Mm. And that's the part of Hulk, I guess, <laughs> that I see in myself. You've got a very sensitive side to him, also. If he feels betrayed by his friends, he's very sad. The, the Hulk is incredibly sensitive. Yeah, yeah, he's very. Like, he's, when they shot him off to get him rid of the world, they tricked him and they shot him off to the hole. Oh yeah, in Planet Hulk, when uh, the uh, all the smartest uh, superheroes shot Hulk into space. Yeah, he took that hard. Yeah. Can yeah. you imagine if all of your smartest friends shot you to a, a bad planet? I would be mad. Yeah. And he was. When he came, when he, when he came back, he was very mad. Yeah. He, he was very mad. So, yeah, I guess. Spe- in, uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. So, Sp- we got Spider-Man, Thor, and uh, Hulk. We'd be a pretty cool team-up movie. Yeah. Hear that, Marvel? Yeah. Throw Tom Holland in the next uh, Thor-Hulk movie. Hulk, Hulk. I guess Hulk's probably not going to be in the next Thor movie. That sucks. Yeah. He'll, he'll, yeah. When you think of yourself as Spider-Man, do you think of yourself as the older Spider-Man without the fancy Tony Stark suit? I don't like his Tony Stark suit. Yeah, it's stupid. Spider-Man should wear cloth. Do you think Die of on that hill? Do you just do you do you what part of Spider-Man do you uh, do you feel most you embody, and is it mostly that you are personally responsible for the death of your most beloved family member? Um, <laughs> I'm Spider-Man. I'm not Peter Parker. So I'm after he learned those lessons. It's <laughs> okay. that I, I have so much strength and I have so much responsibility uh-huh. and I'm a little bit of a boy genius and but sometimes I mess things up and my room is kind of messy and um you do basically live in the kind of apartment Spider-Man really should be living in. Yeah. Like a not not a nice one. <laughs> um yeah, and you know like I'm I'm a, I'm, I'm a very street level hero. Um, <laughs> and uh I'm trying to make some kind of webbing. It just hasn't worked. <laughs> That's a, the difference between me and Spider-Man is um, what we've been able to accomplish, but we have the same ideas. Okay. Yeah, I think that I think that that sounds right. It's true. We've never talked about this. I, I will admit I'm not really I'm not really the kind of media viewer, con- reader, consumer where my favorite characters are actually not very often characters that I see myself as or that I, I relate to the most. Like, uh, I do, re- obviously, I really like Hulk, but I, I, wouldn't ne- I wouldn't necessarily say that, like, the characters I like the most are the ones who I sort of see myself as, necessarily. Do you know, the, the honest answer is that I remember when they put out the, like, rumors about who was going to be the new Spider-Man, and every single person was my exact age and, like, my height with curly black hair. Yeah. And I was like... Damn it! <laughs> this close. Um, I could have gotten on that. And then uh, the thing that made me come around and realize that I couldn't is seeing Tom Holland do flips. Yeah, I was gonna ask what your backflip game is like. Yeah, I saw him do that, and I went, "The better man won." <laughs> All right, my Spider-Man would have sat down a lot. <laughs> um, 
right, so uh, cool. I feel like my segment is finishing up here. Do we have time to talk about one more thing that bothers me about the uh, Marvel movies? Yes, please do. And then I think we're going to wrap up this section and, uh, and say uh, farewell to Jeffrey. Okay, well, maybe it's just me, but I think it's really, I can't, I can't accept the fact, or I can't wrap my head around the fact that they could do all these Infinity Gauntlet Thanos movies without having Adam Warlock in it. Yeah. Adam Warlock seems like the key character to make that whole story work. Yeah, and it is, it's especially weird because they still, like, James Gunn still says he kind of wants to maybe use Adam Warlock in, like, a future Guardians movie, but it would be so weird to bring Adam Warlock in now. What would you do with him? They did all the good stories just without him in them. But be that as it may, be that as it, as it may be, I believe in creative license for the people making these movies, and Marvel certainly has done a tremendous job making movies. It was a crazy 10-year ride to lead up to Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet, and who knows what's going to come next. And as someone who's never read a comic with Adam Warlock, if, if you don't know who that is, a uh, humble listener, he's like a weird little space Jesus, and I don't know what his powers are. I think they're magic. Yeah, that's that's accurate. We don't need to go into it any more than that. <laughs> Just, he's, he's space Jesus who has to go into the future and kill evil himself in the future who's become an evil space Jesus. It's like if Jesus got to fight the Antichrist. Yeah, actually. so That was probably Jim Starlin's idea. <laughs> All right. Thank All right. you, Dad. Thank you so much, Jeff. Uh, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Okay, I'll do another one, maybe. Okay, great. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to uh, really, really dig into the Avengers. Earth's Mightiest Hero. Like, comment, and subscribe if you want more Jeff. Yeah, like, yeah, like comment, and subscribe. Demand more Jeff in the comments. And we're back. We're back. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Jeffrey Halpern, our father, for, uh, for visiting us uh, on your deck. Where we are still sitting, we're still outside, breathing in the clean uh, foot mountain air. Not well, we're in the foothills. We're breathing in that clean foothills air, drinking that crystal clear foothills spring water. Yeah, we're um we're technically in the Adirondack Park here. We're right on the edge. So. We are the Adirondack. As as I told my my uh, friends when I told them where I was going. Uh, my parents live inside the Adirondack State Park because the Adirondack State Park is one of those fun sort of parks that people can live in. And there's towns and a Six Flags and they log a lot. It's not really a park. And Marley, as we had this argument earlier, and he didn't believe me, the Adirondack State Park is bigger than all of the national parks in California, the five biggest national parks in California combined. And that is true, because you can make your park as big as you want when you let them build an amusement park inside it. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very, it's very unclear that it's a park. I lived my whole life in it. There are, anyway. Anyway. What do you remember about this movie, Marley? Oh, the Avengers. What, uh, what, what do I remember? Uh, so, I mean, let's, you know, we're, I'm going back into, into 2012. Uh, I was, it was a midnight screening at, uh, at the Vista Theater, uh, which, uh, Quentin Tarantino just bought, apparently. So, who knows if a, a Marvel movie will ever be screened there again. Um, and, uh, I thought it was amazing. Uh, I was uh, I was happy that it was more like the comics. I was happy that it was more like the original Marvel comics and less like the Ultimates. It it felt to me like the movie was was at one point set up to be more like the Ultimates than it ended up being, and I was nervous about that. Uh -huh. And I was very excited that I was like, no, this is there's some Ultimates framework here, but this is real '60s original Avengers issue number one kind of stuff, and I was excited about that. And I and we'll we'll talk about whether this memory holds up. I specifically remember thinking that Hulk and Black Widow were amazing in the movie because mm -hmm. both of them, you know, the Edward Norton Hulk, even I knew was not 
quite perfect, and I didn't really love Black Widow in Iron Man 2, and my memory at the time was, they did it. They did it. They figured out Hulk and Black Widow. They're awesome now. Yeah. What do you remember about uh, the Avengers 2012? What don't I remember, Marley? Um, it, it, uh, <laughs> it was literally like... I've said this before, but it, my mantra, like, for my life leading up to that point was that they were going to make all these movies, and then they were going to make an Avengers movie, and people sometimes wouldn't believe me, and it was like the whole driving force of my life was building up to this movie, and it was the best thing that had ever happened to me. My favorite writer-director, uh, Joss Whedon, was writing and directing it, because I was a huge Firefly fan. At this point, I was probably watching all of Buffy at the same time, too. Yeah, would you say that Joss Whedon was just your favorite man at this point in your life? <laughs> yeah, just like uh, Dad said about Thor, he's my favorite person. <laughs> was my favorite person. Yes, it's it, yes, you have to say was. Uh, yeah, I mean, I... I and then, so here's the biggest thing. So I saw the movie. I loved it. Obviously, I thought it was the best movie that I was very excited about it. Even at that point, it was something where I was invested in, like, I also wanted it to be the highest grossing film of all time. So you, you had become, like, a full Marvel fanboy where, like, you wanted it to also not just be a good movie, but make the most money. Well, it was just very important for my identity that, like, it... It did well and wasn't a failure so that they could make more and that this kind of thing could keep existing. Because at this point still, too, like this movie still has the Paramount logo at the opening. Yeah. It wasn't this unstoppable juggernaut yet. This was a really weird, risky idea. And I knew that at the time, if it had failed, they wouldn't have made more movies like this. They would have made more Iron Mans. Yeah. Um, but a after I saw the movie, I remember it like so well, just like just milling about in our front yard like feeling depressed because I felt like I didn't have anything to look forward to anymore. That's fine. You know, I actually, uh, I, I didn't have that feeling with Avengers. I had a lot of the feelings that you, you had. Uh, I think this is probably an age thing because the movie that I most remember feeling that way about, uh, was when the very first X-Men movie came out. Mm -hmm. And I distinctly remember the end of the first X-Men movie is Professor X talking to Magneto in the plastic jail. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Professor X is like wheel, wheeling himself away from the, this like wide shot of him leaving Magneto behind in the plastic jail. And they're like playing the theme music for the movie again. And I remember sitting there in the theaters just being like, well, now what do I do with my life? This, yeah. Like I was basically just sticking it out to get to this movie mm -hmm. and I just watched it. And now what? It's that moment you're you're 15 years old and you have to keep on living. <laughs> like what what is to be done from there? And the thing is, it's just about the age that you're at, because if I was a 15 year old when Endgame came out, like that's how I would have felt about that movie. But instead, how I felt was like, man, I'm graduating college soon. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's how I felt about that one. Yeah. Um, obviously, I, you know, liked it, but I didn't it didn't. My life was bigger than that by that point. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I wanted to just sort of uh, right at the start of this talk about how, you know, for me, rewatching this movie, I'll just jump right ahead and say, you know, I still think it's a good movie. Uh, I still, I definitely enjoyed rewatching it. I remembered it pretty well. There were a few things I didn't remember, which we'll talk about. So the, the biggest experience of rewatching it is that this is my first time watching this movie since we all found out that Joss Whedon is just a horrible person mm -hmm. uh, who, uh, you know, harassed the women working for for him and cheated on his wife and bullied the actors and got people fired for, like, for it, being pregnant. And just, just a spiteful just, jerk yeah, to everyone. Yeah, just a, a, a petty, terrible uh, little man. And uh, I was not 
apparently people who have been really into Buffy and fans of him this whole time always had kind of knew and it just the extent of it just came out but as much as I, I loved Firefly and I, I loved you know I liked his Astonishing X-Men comics I was not I didn't know any of that I had never heard anything about him being a jerk or, or being like terrible well, to and- the actors from Buffy so I learned all of that whatever a couple of years ago and this is my first time watching the movie since then and it yeah it makes me like the movie less like it, there's parts of this movie that I probably I know I did like and I probably would still like and I don't because I know sort of the the an, an, animating whatever the animus of this movie was coming from a, a, a weird petty place that I, in a way that I wouldn't have thought before yeah yeah and it, it sucks because he he was one of those people who was pretending to be very progressive and be like yeah I'm a, I'm a champion for women's rights and then obviously was the opposite of all those things and he was always like fucking wearing that shirt that was like this is what a feminist looks like yeah. and stuff like that um, and uh, yeah it's crazy he was like I was such a big fan of his and honestly before um, it when, when this stuff came out about him it wasn't it was obviously a bummer but not a huge huge blow to me because I'm not wasn't a fan of his really by then just creatively like after Avengers I I liked Cabin in the Woods and I liked Avengers but his work after that really dropped off yeah yeah I mean you know we'll we'll see how it holds up when we watch it but yeah like I didn't like Age of Ultron that much I I really didn't like Dollhouse I mean the the, yeah for me it was Dollhouse I like you know was watching the the show Dollhouse and um didn't like it at all. I thought yeah. it was so bad. And also like weird and gross in all the ways that make perfect sense now that we know more what his deal is. It's weird that like I didn't like Dollhouse and I didn't like especially the Black Widow stuff in Age of Ultron. But even back even then, I just I was like, oh, it's weird that such a progressive feminist guy messed up and made such a gross sexist movie. Or like, you know, I yeah, like, well, like, it's just that, that, the... that cognitive dissonance of like I knew these things were sexist and I was still giving the benefit of the, of the doubt of like, oh, he just messed. He just made a mistake and accidentally made something super misogynist. Yeah, the thing is the bar was just so low and it was a thing where like the kinds of he was making the most the the kinds of things he was making were the most feminist things that could get let through at the time, like Buffy was at the time. But he didn't actually. Uh, well, here's what I think about it now: is that I don't think he had anything. He he didn't want to go beyond that point or do anything better than that. Like for him, the point of Buffy, I guess, of what he liked is that they were all really beautiful. Yeah. Like he didn't want to just make a movie about a woman who's killing vampires. Like clearly. A big part of it for him was that she was a cheerleader too. Yeah, and it's and some of it also is like you know it's like the fourth super skinny woman in a sundress beating people up in his fourth property where you're like oh wait it's not I don't every t- every time he does it it seems gro like seems grosser than if he'd only done it once and then did something different the next time you know yeah yeah and that then the more creative liberty he got his things didn't get cooler they got grosser yeah yeah. Like, he had more creative control over Age of Ultron, I'd imagine, and Black Widow got worse. Yeah. Because, um, you know, th- generally as these things go, like, at that point, he'd made one of the highest grossing films of all time. He had a huge cachet. Yeah, but I actually think that, uh, you know, I, I do think he's obviously at fault for the things that are wrong with Age of Ultron. But I think if you look at uh, Iron Man 2, I actually think the opposite is the case. I think, I, I do actually get the impression that 
once Iron Man made so much money and then once Avengers made so much money, there was more scrutiny on the sequel and Marvel had more expectations of like, well, you have to do this, you have to set this up. Uh, I mean, I think, I don't think Age of Ultron doesn't strike me as perfectly purely Joss Whedon's vision. It strikes me as Joss Whedon had a bunch of weird gross ideas and then Marvel had a lot of other movies they needed to set up and when you smush those things together, you get Age of Ultron. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, to sum it up, we give Joss Whedon Two thumbs down. Yeah, I give I I use Austin scale and give Joss Whedon negative five Iron Mans. Oh, the first ever <laughs> negative Iron Man <laughs> given to a real human being. Yeah, because if I used my scale, I would just give him zero Iron Mans because he's not Iron Man. But mm-hmm. that's the same score I uh, you know would give anything that wasn't Iron yeah. Man. Yeah, you wanna you wanna yeah, jump into the let's into jump the in. movie. Uh, so yeah, you know we see the uh, the the classic Marvel logo with the the comic flipping pages that I still miss. We and then uh, yeah, I mean the opening. Uh, we'll just uh, talk very briefly about uh, that the opening of the movie is they've got the Tesseract. Yeah. Uh, they do start calling it the cube because I think Joss Whedon agrees with me that the cosmic cube would have been cooler, uh, but he can't go all the way because that would have been weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Thor's friend, Selvig, Professor Selvig is there. Yeah. And then the Tesseract opened. They've, there's Shield, Nick Fury and Shield and Hawkeye are, are like studying the Tesseract. You know what's interesting too? It's Shield and NASA. There's NASA logos You're right. there too. It is Shield. Which and must NASA. be that they that is like a maybe. This is purely spitballing that they were filming at a NASA facility or something. Yeah, so they maybe. put the logo. Yeah, like maybe they they probably got a deal using NASA. Stuff, yeah, maybe. or even too just like who doesn't want to rep NASA? Yeah, everyone loves NASA. Uh, and then uh, the the Tesseract opens up. It becomes there. It's there. It's a portal. And Loki comes out of it. The, the Tesseract wakes up mm-hmm. and spits Loki out of it. And it occurred to me, which is super weird, is that the Cosmic Cube in the comics is not a portal. It doesn't yeah. teleport things. Yeah. Uh, they, they obviously decided to... Just, later, they say that the cube is the space gem. Yeah. Uh, but at this point, they're just saying that it, it's teleporting things. And, and jumping over to DC, in the DC comics, the mother boxes aren't really portals they open portals but like they're that's not the they do other stuff also and and also in the comics the mother boxes are not Mm -hmm. actually boxes they're like smartphones Uh so it's interesting it's i i had forgotten that they made the cosmic cube into something it wasn't quite yeah and then later in justice league they made the mother boxes basically exactly like the cosmic cube in this making both of them not really like they are in the comics but like each other in the movies which is sort of a it's like Marvel and DC Comics copy each other so much, it's funny that the, these two movies wound up like each other and both not like the comics. It's really weird watching it now because obviously when they were like, it's the Space Jam, I was like, okay, yeah, sure. But watching it now, knowing that they did that, it only does space stuff in this whole movie. It yeah. totally does. It doesn't seem like that was a retcon or anything because no. it all they do is use it to open up portals. Yeah. No, saying that the the cube was actually the space gem really does work perfectly. Uh, What does not work perfectly is uh, Loki comes through uh, the cube with a new little weapon, a little spear with a a glowy gem on it uh, that he pokes people with and uses it to... To take over their mind. Okay, so they later say that this spear has the mind gem in it. Uh But in this movie, they very explicitly say that the spear is powered by the Tesseract and uses the same power as the Tesseract, and they actually even imply that it wouldn't even work if he wasn't near the Tesseract. Mm -hmm. So they definitely didn't know that the mind gem was in that spear in this movie. It just works well because he's using the spear to control people's minds. And also, it's interesting because 
when I watched this movie in 2012, I was like, oh, of course, possessing people, that's one of Loki's main things. That's super cool. It's kind of weird they had him do it with, like, an item that isn't his own power, but yeah, that's great. And then it's funny because then in the Loki TV series that we just finished, Mm -hmm. they make a big deal about the fact that this other Loki can possess people Mm -hmm. because that's not something movie Loki can can do normally. But it's funny because he did actually spend a whole movie where the main thing he was doing was possessing people. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were confused about the spear. Everybody who said that was confused in this movie. <laughs> they were all confused. Oh, you're sure saying, yeah. But they, yeah. So they were confused. So you're saying everyone, when Captain America is like, that thing might be magic, but it looks like a Hydra weapon to me, he was wrong. Yeah, he's confused. <laughs> Why? How would he know? <laughs> they don't even know. They, they think the Tesseract is a four-dimensional object. It's not. It's a, a gem. <laughs> That's true. It's a gem in a box. They haven't opened up the box yet to see there's a little gem in there's it. There's a little gem it's in there. It's just a case. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They're all just so confused. Everyone's confused. It's It sucks that they're all so confused Yeah, in so Loki mind controls Professor Selvig. He yeah. mind controls Hawkeye. Hawkeye has a gun. Hawkeye does. Does he have a gun? He has a gun and he shoots people. <laughs> he has a gun in this scene. <laughs> you're right. Hawkeye just straight up has a gun. <laughs> so you're, you're saying, well, we did talk about how it sounds like movie Hawkeye every morning makes a choice between a gun and it, a bow. It's weird that when Joss Whedon, he was like, okay, now I'm a real nerd. I know these characters. I'll give Hawkeye a gun right away. <laughs> Hawkeye will have a gun. <laughs> I don't know why they decided for the first sequence. Yeah, Hawkeye just has a gun. You're right. He does. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. They also, what, uh, sell, uh, Professor Selvig calls him the Hawk. Oh, like Nick Fury's like, where's Barton? And he's like, you mean the hawk? He's in his nest. As mm. if, it, as if, as if he was called Hawkeye because he likes to sit high up and not because of his really good aim, which is like what the, like Hawkeye's like an established nickname that like someone yeah. <laughs> with good aim would have. No, you know why he has that line? Because this movie has a million Josh Whedonisms. <laughs> Nobody talks like a human. Like it's weird watching it now because they still are really quippy in these movies, but it doesn't. It's not the same way where like. Um, like that, you'd be like, you mean the hawk? He's in his nest. It's like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, yeah. Actually, this I obviously the like Joss Whedon quippiness is is like I remembered. I just remembered it being funnier. Like I remembered the quips working. Like I remember thinking this movie was legitimately funny in a way that I didn't really think it was. Uh, rewatching it, the quips didn't really hold up. I would I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there are some lines that, like, have stuck in my brain, and I used to think they were awesome. And now I'm like, why did Black Widow say he means to unleash the Hulk? (laughs) Like, (laughs) she's, what? Uh, Yeah, so then... You're uh, not Loki. Sorry. Yeah. So then uh, uh, Nick Fury is like, like, he loses the, the Tesseract, he loses his top agent, he loses his best scientist, and he's like, we're at war. You know, and, and oh, and uh, 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 what's her name? Maria Hill. Yeah, Maria Hill uh, is in this movie, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, who was a really big deal in the comics at the time. With that, when I was reading comics, it was funny. My roommates were making fun of her, like, oh, random lady, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. I'm like, that's Maria Hill. She was a big deal for me that she was in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> she was I the mean, head of S.H.I.E.L.D. She was the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, yeah, I was like, I was as excited to see Maria Hill in a movie as any other character in this movie except for the Hulk, probably, which is crazy now because she's really not important in the comics anymore, and she didn't wind up having that much of an impact in these movies. It's weird to jump back and remember how excited I was about, about her. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Nick Fury tells her, like, 
they're like, what are we going to do? And he's like, we're at war. And then it cuts to Avengers. <laughs> they do the theme, the Avengers theme for the first time. <laughs> I do think the, the, the melody obviously is the same and it's it's good. But I, I do think the reason it didn't stick in my head in this movie, the way I, like, I didn't even realize there was an Avengers theme until the sequels. I don't think it's orchestrated that well. Mm. Like, I think the actual orchestration of it is not as dramatic and epic as they as they do in the later movies. It's pretty epic. It's pretty epic, Marley. <laughs> this is different, too, because I saw this movie as a kid, so just every part of this movie is just a little dwarfen rush for me. <laughs> and I'm like, it's Avengers! We're, we're, we're in it, baby! Um, and uh, one of the things... So after this, too, we go to New York City, and this is the first time I've seen this movie since living in New York City, and I recognize things a lot now. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. So much of this movie takes place at or around Grand Central. Yeah. <laughs> which I've been to... A ton. And in a way, that's funny, because, like, obviously it's a big, it's a very big city. There are parts of it I wouldn't recognize very well, and it's a, it's a lot of Grand Central. Um, uh, yeah, so I'd say uh, let's let's go through, uh, we'll try to do it in the order it happens, but it doesn't really matter. Let's go through the introduction of all the, uh, all our friends, the Avengers. So, uh, first, we'll probably start with Captain America, Captain right? America, yeah, and you see him, he's punching, punching bags really good. He hallucinates his movie yeah he hallucinates his movie uh you you see his uh his butt and his shorts uh very prominently yeah, he's uh, in good shape he's in very good shape i actually when i watched this movie uh if there's any real real long time marley heads uh listening to this podcast who have really followed my entire digital career uh back when i watched this movie i was in the middle of doing a different internet project about Mar- about superheroes uh-huh. i was doing a tumblr blog uh where i made my artist friend jojo who didn't know anything about superheroes just draw superheroes from memory mm-hmm. uh, and so i dragged her to this movie which she was not that excited to watch so that i could make her draw avengers mm-hmm. uh and she fell asleep she was through a lot of the movie that's awesome uh, and uh and was we all had alcohol because we were we were your age basically when we watched this movie yeah and then when, when the movie ended and i was like okay what do you remember and she was like captain america's butt mm. <laughs> and when i asked her to draw something for the movie she just drew captain america in his boxing shorts yeah because uh, that's the only thing that stuck out to her and back then i didn't even notice i was like what are you talking about captain america's butt was his butt even in the yeah, movie and, and now we know that's america's butt i will admit now I, that's how i've changed as a person is i'm much more aware of captain america's butt now that's yeah um yeah, man. The, and the weird line in this, if you want to, I don't know if this is a Joss Whedonism or just a general wonky line, but the the line that stuck out to me in this is Nick Fury is like, "All right, Rogers, you ready to you ready to get out there and start doing missions again?" Mm. And uh, and Steve Rogers says he's like, "When I went, when I got frozen, we were at war. When I woke up, they tell me we won, but they didn't tell me what we lost." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Mm-hmm. What do you what do you think we've lost compared to 1940s America? You, you know what he is trying to say in that moment? His loved ones. <laughs> I think it's the only thing that would be true for the character. Yeah, but he that's not what he, he says we were at war like yeah, he doesn't yeah. say it. That's not what he says though. Yeah. Like he acts like there's something missing from America now in this future. And I'm like, what the, the like, like no, the he, racism's a little subtler now? Do you yeah. you miss the really overt I, racism? I like the idea that he's like they didn't tell me what we lost and he's like, what do you mean? He was like they took a long time to tell me FDR was dead. <laughs> FDR was dead. JFK died. He was. They would have to explain to him who JFK was. Yeah. Um, you'd be like, Rockefeller is dead. I don't. I gotta study who was alive in the forties. Like, 
what Hitler never was on trial? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> it's just a weird line. It just doesn't mean there's no interpretation of it that could really mean anything. Yeah, it's just Joss Whedon was trying to be clever because he <laughs> said like, what, you know, we won. They didn't say what we lost. Like it's just he's just like starting a phrase <laughs> and trying to come up with like a punchline or a clever way to end a phrase. Yeah, I think. Yo, I think you're right because because then. Like there, are, this version of Captain America is the only version of him in these movies where he has this old-fashioned sense of values. Yes, and I do kind of think that they're they're hinting towards that in this movie. He 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 mentions God. Yes, he's actually a Christian in this movie. Yeah, which he isn't in any of the other ones. Um, and I do kind of think that he was hinting to this idea that he has very old-fashioned values. Yes, yeah, like this is the only movie. In the set in the present day, where Captain America actually dresses in sort of 1940s clothes. Yeah. Like in in Winter Soldier, he talks about being out of touch and trying to catch up, but he's just dressed normal. I mean, maybe. Okay, I'm trying. I'm going in deep here. Okay. Maybe yeah, what get, he's saying. Get that no prize. Try to explain it. Is that, um, America has lost their stance as being uh, heroes in the world, and he's talking oh. about uh um everything that we did in uh, South America oh, and yeah. in Vietnam. And he was like, we won the war, but then the Cold War happened and all these things. And Oh, yeah, maybe he just learned about, like, the, the counterintelligence stuff they were doing in the 70s targeting civil rights activists and stuff and was yeah. really upset about that. Yeah, and he's like, "We, I thought we were creating a better world, and then he wakes up and sees in what ways we're still losing, you know? Yeah. I think that could absolutely work if that was what the movie was about. <laughs> well, yeah, but the movie is about that, that Loki is trying to open a portal. <laughs> what the movie is about. It's also crazy. We'll talk about it. Like, structurally, does this movie have a main character? Oh, right. And is it Nick Fury? Yeah, I think. Well, I guess it depends on how we how we define main character. Because I would say Nick Fury is certainly the point of view character because we see yeah. him first, we see him last. He yeah. starts and stops the movie. Everything in this movie basically happens because of things Nick Fury did, uh, but Nick Fury doesn't ha- uh, doesn't change. Yeah. Uh, so I think our two options are Nick Fury is basically causing the movie to happen, mm-hmm. and Nick Fury is the driving force of all the things that the heroes do. Yeah. But Tony Stark is the one who has sort of an emotional change. Uh, True. And a, sort of a little bit of an emotional arc. It's actually, it's an interesting thing because they, with these kind of mammoth movies, with all of these characters and competing stories and stuff, it's really hard to have a single character and figure out how to structure it in that way. And then we see later how they do it in uh, Infinity Wars by having Thanos be the main character when yeah. they have even more people to deal with. And I, I will say this, this is probably the movie where I feel like I can most draw on my own experience of having written Batman versus Teenage Mutant. Ninja Turtles, yeah, because this is basically a bunch of heroes meeting each other and fighting and then teaming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be perfectly honest, the choice that I made when doing Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. was to not ha- say no. There is not a main character. The main character is <laughs> Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and what I tried to do, and what I think this movie is doing, is just tried to give every character a little thing. Yeah, I just tried to have like at the beginning of the movie, each character says something or does something that then pays off at the end. And uh, with, I would say, with Batman and maybe Raphael, maybe and maybe Leonardo, that involves a little bit of an actual arc. But like mm-hmm. Michelangelo and Donatello and Batgirl and Robin, they don't have, they don't change. They don't have arcs. And, and, I know, just tried to set up stuff that then I tried to pay it so, off. Some people might say that might lead to a little bit of a like jumbled feeling to a movie or like being big or whatever. But 
what percentage on Rotten Tomatoes is uh, Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at, Marley? Oh, uh, you know, I don't want to brag, but uh, with it's, with at least eight reviews, uh, maybe even 12, maybe 15 reviews, I'd have to check, uh, uh, Batman TMNT is 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I think it's safe to say I pulled it off. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> and I, I would have to pull it up, but I do think Avengers is slightly low, I think, lower. I, yeah, I, I think everyone would agree that, that Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is a slightly better movie well, than it's the not, Avengers. It's not everyone would agree. It's just the critics on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. Like but, I, we're, I don't want to hyperbolize. Yeah, here. the audience scores might not might not bear this out. Oh, but that's that. Maybe it got brigaded. You know, like yeah. that, that's the kind of thing. That's, that's true. Four chan. You know. Yeah, so, you never know. Uh, but yeah, no. So this is too like watching the beginning. Every other movie before this of the Marvel movies is kind of a normal movie that had been made before and this is a new kind of thing that they're trying to make <laughs> yeah where there are six main characters and they all have a thing that they have to do and uh i loved it but when you're starting the movie like the the this whole first chunk to me was a little bit boring while they're trying to get everybody together because um, it's a long time before some of the ones I like show up. Uh, yeah, and then you know uh, we'll just we'll just get through it a little quicker. You know, we, you see Iron Man flying around the new Stark Tower. Yeah. Um, and uh, Avengers Tower was a big deal in the comics at the time. There's a lot of a lot of stuff in this movie is pulled from the the most recent possible comics. Like the the comics that were big when they wrote this movie are the comics that influenced this movie the most in some ways. Uh, it's like a mix of stuff from actual 1960s Avengers number one, a little bit from Ultimates, and then a lot from just what were they doing right then. Yeah. Um, the only thing I want to say about Iron Man, because uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is in this movie, Pepper Potts is in this movie. Yeah. And I think we'll have to keep track mm -hmm. as we move forward. This little scene where they're putting the finishing touches on the tower oh, and they're, they're getting it, they're, yeah. they're setting up the arc reactor to make the tower off the grid, which is going to come and be, yeah. going to be important later. We see some Phil Coulson, we see them do some verbal sparring. This might be the only only scene in all the Marvel Universe and all the MCU where Tony and Pepper are getting along. Yeah. They yeah. are a couple who like each other. They're making little jokes, but they're obviously both enjoying them. Yeah. And they're just kind of having a fun time. They were going to like have a, like a date tonight if, if this Avengers stuff hadn't happened. Yeah, they're, they're... And I, we'll have to see what it is. I think in Iron Man 3, she's already annoyed with him by the time we jump in there. And fun story, as as we now know, uh, things came out. Uh, or one thing that's weird about this movie, too, is that I uh, uh, watched the director's commentary because I was such a Whedon head. Oh, yeah. And I, I remember them. it really well. <laughs> um, yeah, what'd Joss say about this scene? Well, one, he, he made a joke where he said you always need uh, a... Uh, Gwyneth in your movie or if you have a Paltrow it always raises the value of your movie yeah putting in a Paltrow always makes it better was That's the funny. joke he made about this scene and he also said that um he didn't want her to be in the movie he didn't want any of the supporting casts from their own movies to be there because he wanted them to be like separate and need each other or whatever and uh, Robert Downey Jr. said no you can't have Tony Star Tony Stark without Pepper Potts and um so uh Joss Whedon said yes sir <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put I'll put your friend in the movie. Yeah, uh, right from the start, uh, you don't get to no no one outranks Robert Downey Jr. in these movies. Robert Downey Jr. gets whatever he wants. <laughs> yeah, and also too, a lot of the quips that Robert Downey Jr. does are not Joss Whedon lines. Robert Downey Jr. rewrote his lines. Yeah, to be whatever he wanted to say. Uh, yeah, although I do wonder because this is the only movie in this movie. A lot of Tony Stark's thing is just giving people pop culture nicknames. 
Yeah. Like, he just never calls anyone their name. Like, he always just calls them some pop culture character they remind him of. Yeah. Like, he calls Hawkeye Legolas. He calls Thor Point Break. And I don't... He doesn't really do that in the other movies. There's some so. of that, but I know, like... From the freaking commentary, like the Galaga thing was one of his. That's okay. uh, Robert Downey Jr. And how he's e- he's always eating snacks. Yeah. <laughs> that was just Robert Downey Jr. in real life was hiding snacks everywhere and just kept eating them during <laughs> scenes. And I think it's it's telling because, you know, the Galaga joke is funny. Oh, yeah. That still works. Yeah. Yeah. It's good, too. And it's like one of those things where, like, a lot of these are real sets. Yeah. And he went there and was like, oh, you can see all these people. It'd be funny if I noticed one of them wasn't working. Yeah. Um, no, definitely. Uh, so and then, yeah, they tell it's they they go into the they do go into a little bit the weirdness where, like, like Pepper is like, oh, is this Avengers business? And then Phil Coulson is like, oh, no, we're not doing the Avengers. And then Iron Man's like, yeah, and I didn't qualify for the Avengers anyway. So this is just some, like freelance consulting it's so weird they never figured out what that line of we want iron man but not tony stark they never figured out what that meant they don't even try in this movie yeah they shouldn't have acknowledged it they could have just kept moving forward but they wanted to yeah and what what they what uh everyone remembers this movie but what's happening is the the tesseract gives off gamma radiation yeah and they want tony stark to help them track the gamma radiation uh but they hedge their bets and they go find another man to help them track the gamma radiation uh, I guess we're going out of order now. We'll, we'll do Black Widow second. Uh, <laughs> well, Black Widow's in this scene. Yeah, I know. Oh, so whatever. Let's just do Black Widow. We meet Black Widow. She's she's tied she's up. Better on than she is in Iron Man too. She is better. I mean, I just it, I remember. Here's what I think. I do legitimately think Joss Whedon came up with one good scene for Black Widow to be in, and it's this scene. It's the scene where she, a bunch of like Russian like military guys, have yeah. her tied to a chair, and they've captured her. And they're like, ah, the fabled Black Widow. Turns out you suck. And, yeah. <laughs> and then they start saying, like, you don't even know our... You, you're so dumb, you don't even know who our partner is. And you don't even know how our operation works. Yeah. Because we're so much smarter than you. Yeah. And then she gets a call on her phone, and she's like, what? Don't bother me. I'm I'm interrogating these men. They're giving me everything, those idiots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she breaks out of the chair, and she beats them all up. And it's cool. Yeah. Like... The, the rest of the stuff with Black Widow in this movie, I actually don't like rewatching it, uh, but I like that scene. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's definitely better than what they had in Iron Man 2. They were, they were coming up with more of a thing. Um, I do think, and it's that moment of seeing the, like, her uh, being, uh, that this, like, overly sexualized version of her is an act. Yes. And that that's not who she really and, is. And unlike in Iron Man 2, they do a really clear off-on switch. Like, yeah. she's acting, like, scared of them. And then she gets the phone call and her whole tone of voice changes. Her facial expressions change. Like, that was, you know, one of our criticisms of Iron Man 2 was that even if you're saying she's, like, undercover and just pretending to be this way, there was no real difference when she stopped being undercover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then they send Black Widow to go get Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner. He's in Calcutta. Yeah, like, being a doctor. Yeah, which is a little weird because Bruce Banner... Not a medical doctor. Not not a med- the, not the kind of doctor he is. Things are going so bad there. He just has to. He's. Just, I don't even. But I mean, he's a physicist. Like I don't yeah, think yeah. he even had to do pre med. Uh huh. No. Yeah. Totally not. He's not a doc. He is a doctor, but he's not. Although not you know a, what? Actually, yeah. I take that completely back. In the Marvel universe, oh. he ha- would have to have some kind of biology background because he was. It was more. It, well, he wasn't making bombs. He yeah. was doing a genetical genetic engineering super soldier serum. Yeah, yeah. I do think Betty was more the biologist in uh in Hulk. And he was more of the radiation guy. Um, but He's just really smart. But I, I, you know what? Actually, in the MCU, him having ha- some had some kind of medical training is probably accurate. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah, and then and then there's a they get they get him, they and they're him. saying like we don't want the Hulk, we just want you because you're so good at finding gamma radiation. Yep, yep, and uh, and this well and this is the first thing. So I, the biggest change for me is when Black Widow is picking up Bruce Banner. There's a moment where he kind of fakes her out and mm-hmm. acts like maybe he's about to become the Hulk. Yeah, uh, and she like pulls a gun out on him and it reveals that she had a whole army of guys backing her up. Yeah. Uh, and when I watched this movie the first time, I thought it was really cool that they showed that Black Widow was truly, legitimately frightened of the Hulk. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh, that's awesome because she's so cool and she's so tough. It makes the Hulk seem really scary that she's like really frightened of him. Yeah. But when I watched the movie this time, I've completely reversed that. Mm-hmm. And I think it fucking sucks that the only person in this entire movie who is so frightened of the Hulk that she almost burst into tears, even when she thinks about the Hulk, is the only woman in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I now think. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, because no one else is that afraid of the Hulk. Nobody. Nobody else in the movie starts weeping when the Hulk's mentioned. The yeah, way Black yeah. Widow does every single time. Well, and especially, too, even later in the movie, there's stuff with uh, Tony Stark trying to make him turn into the Hulk. Yeah. He's, he's like, I think it'd be funny. Yeah. So Iron Man thinks the Hulk, it would be cool if he became the Hulk. And everyone else is like, whoa, whoa, knock it off. Stop horsing around. No one's like, oh, God, not the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah. Well, but that's to set up when then she's uh, running away from the Hulk. Cause yeah, because she's so scared of the Hulk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like, I, I really, I thought that I was effective when I watched it when I was younger, and uh, I, I don't like it. I hate it now. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Um, yeah, and this movie is just moving, 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 Yeah, moving, moving along. Moving. And, and then, then they, they so get that's, on so the... that, that's the original team. They, are, they actually, I, Nick Fury only actually recruits Captain America and the Hulk, and he only recruits Captain America to go on missions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hulk's just supposed to stay behind. Iron Man's just supposed to do do. He's doing. He's working from home. He's ahead of the. You know, he doesn't like shake. He doesn't like. He wants people to wear masks when yeah. they're sick. He doesn't like shaking people's hands. He likes to work from home if possible. Yeah. Iron Man is socially distancing. He's being very responsible. He wears a lot of. Um... Uh, PE, personal protective, PPE, uh, whenever he's out, it's impossible to see his body. Yeah, so... uh, There's a filtration system, he drinks his pee. Yeah, Tony Stark is being responsible and working from home, he's not supposed to come into the office, they're trying to keep it at 20% capacity. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna stop. Uh, And so, Nick Fury sends... They, they, they get a ping. Uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. has access. What do they say? Anything with a camera and Wi-Fi, S.H.I.E.L.D. can look through. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> At least this movie, they you know, we're going to find out that S.H.I.E.L.D. is a little untrustworthy. Yeah. Like they, they're they being a little more upfront about the fact that uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. is a little sketchy, which is this something. This came out a couple of years before Snowden, so yeah. it was a little bit of science fiction. But it, but it was <laughs> it was weird because it is after Dark Knight, and in Dark Knight, it's presented as this, like, this line that if, if Batman crosses the line of spying through everybody's cameras, he may never come back from that. It's an un, uncrossable offense. That, yeah. And then the fact in this movie, like, oh, yeah, we can access every single camera on Earth, and it's not even a big deal, and actually we're basically good guys. Yeah, yeah. It was a big shift. It was. I do think this movie... I do think this movie represents a unfortunately permanent shift to us assuming the government can do this and being, even if we're a little ambivalent, we accept it as just a fact. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also Batman is just a weird man. He isn't the government. 
So he it's a choice he's making rather than like the coolest thing a spy agency could do is be able to spy on anyone everywhere. Yeah. Although this, this is this movie does right. make it very unclear what Shield even is because Nick Fury's uh, reporting to a video screen of other responsible people working from yeah. Home. Uh, and they're the, they're the council, the security. They say the security council, but they're not the UN security. Yeah, council. he's on a really important Zoom call. Yeah, Nick Fury does a lot of important Zoom meetings in this, um, and uh, and the security council doesn't think uh, recruiting superhumans is a good way to deal with this alien threat of Loki. Uh, anyway, they get a ping. Loki's in Germany. Uh, him and Hawkeye are digitally ripping a guy's eye out. Yeah. Uh, they they mention this in the Loki show, and it's really true. They go out of their way to have Loki look like he's have, killing people is fun for him. Yeah. Like he smiles. like He's like, ooh, this is great. I love killing people. <laughs> Which, really, he's not like that in Thor. No, no. Uh, he, he, do, he certainly does kill people in Thor, but he doesn't seem like he's like, that's the part that he's into. This is a lot... Um, it is a less complex version of Loki. In yes, this. He's, he's, he's much eviler in this movie than he is in any other movie. Yeah, he's less tortured. And right before this, right, there's the moment of the helicarrier taking off. Oh, which right. I forgot about. It's like this huge moment. And two, like bringing it into the sci-fi world. Like, I think it's like, I, I think it's like that. And then a scene of Loki on a uh, Star Trek-style um, little space set talking to Thanos' uh, little henchman man who's terrible. Yeah. Um, and I remember, too, the the um, uh, director's commentary, Joss Whedon says when he showed up, the set looked like a Star Trek set. Like, the real set looked like a 60s Star Trek set. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, and then they did all this CG and it looks amazing. And now I'm like, doesn't look good. <laughs> the whole little space rock they're on. Yeah, we did we, we, we did skip that. Uh, you don't know that it's Thanos. You you Loki does a little teleconference. Loki's also uh, working from home. Yeah, he's working from home. <laughs> Loki does a little teleconference where he talks to the the lieutenant of the mysterious figure that gave him the staff and sent him through the Tesseract and is giving him an army that he's going to call through. He's yeah. doing, Loki's working for someone. You don't, you don't know who. And Loki's great in this movie, but that guy who's talking to Loki is not, I don't know the character's name, which is very impressive. Yeah, I don't really think he, if he, if he has a name, it's descriptive. It's like the spokesman or something. Yeah. The voice of, of whatever. The fact that I'd forgotten about <laughs> theoretically that one of the main villains of Avengers is really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why James Gunn had uh, Ronan the Accuser just kill him as a joke. Oh, man, I didn't even remember that. Yeah. Well, you'll, we'll get to it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So Loki's getting his orders from some weird alien on a, on a bad set. The alien looks fine himself. He doesn't, the, yeah. the makeup doesn't look bad. No, no. And he's it's kind cool of that. Bo- he's a real thing. Yeah. He's sort of a boring character, but. Uh, yeah, sure. And the the uh, and then yeah, so Loki and Hawkeye need some kind of uh, little thing to make their their plan work, uh, and Loki is very publicly uh, kills someone and scans his eye, uh, and then Captain America shows up. Uh, how well? How do you like the the? I would say the closest this movie comes to giving Loki like an interesting motivation as a villain yeah. is this speech that he makes in Germany where he tells, it's a very famous speech, but he tells the people that, oh, humans want to be ruled. They yeah. want a God to lord over them. Yeah. This is better for you. You'll be happier if I rule the earth. Yeah. And then uh, a little old man is like, I will never bow to a man, not never bow to a man like you. Yeah. Uh, and do you, do you think that, that this sort of 
quippy line where Loki says... Oh, yeah, says, that's a great line. Yeah, where Loki says, there has never been a man like me, and mm-hmm. the old man says... Yeah, there there have always been men like you. So that one, you like that whole time. Yeah, I you. think that that one's okay. I mean, it, it, it lands sometimes. Yeah. Um, Would it have held up better if that old man was the Stan Lee cameo in the movie? Was it a missed opportunity to not let Stan Lee... I hope he was on set, and they were like, this is bad. <laughs> Stan, like, you're doing bad. You don't think it would have been better if he was like, there's never been a man like you, Excelsior! <laughs> he does finger guns at the camera. Yeah. He goes, hey, what's up? I like it. This is cool because uh, Loki does have a firm ideology in this movie, which is that he hates freedom yeah. and he thinks uh, humans shouldn't have freedom. And it uh, kind of makes sense for someone who thinks of himself as and is a god to have yeah. that opinion. No, definitely it makes sense. And it's funny because we were... Uh, Captain America doesn't talk about loving freedom as much as you'd think someone named Captain America would. Yeah. But he beats up a man who says he hates freedom. Yes. So we're getting there. Yeah. So Captain America shows up. He says, yes, he has the line of, uh, last time I was in Germany and someone thought he was better than yeah. everyone else. We didn't get along too well. Last time I saw somebody standing over a bunch of people in a crowd, <laughs> yeah. me and him didn't get along too well. And it's like, what? <laughs> Why'd you say, you're talking about Hitler? Are you talking about Red Skull? Are you, I, I think he's pretending he met and fought Hitler, a thing that never happened. And that he was in a crowd watching him? Or just, the, in, anyway, it's just like a weird way to talk about Hitler. <laughs> Captain America. Yeah, you if, know? of all of Hitler's many faults, standing above a crowd was probably relatively low on the list. And, and to be fair, you know. Weird of Captain America to make it like a Hitler joke, <laughs> like sort. Of. I mean, not, yeah, it's yeah, not like yeah. a. But no, like, no, be right. Like this is very recent, serious history. He for thinks him. right now Hitler killed his friend, basically. Yeah, like, yeah. Fuck, he died in the war. Yeah. Um. It's he doesn't seem like he should be flip about it. Yeah, and then uh. There is a really good point here, though, where because Loki, Loki does some good fighting in this movie. He kills a bunch of Shield agents in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and uh. You know, Loki. Loki's pretty can hold himself his own in a fight, uh, and they do a good scene here that I do really like, where Captain America punches Loki pretty hard, yeah. and Loki really is not affected, and Captain America makes a face like, "Oh no, I've never punched yeah. someone and have them not just fall down." Yeah, they yeah. actually do like they do a yeah, good job of it, establishing as strong as Captain America is, he would actually have trouble with Loki. In this Loki. movie, they have a really. Uh, they keep track of people's power levels pretty well, I think. Yeah. It's, it's very consistent. It's very and effective. in these new Marvel shows, it's very all over the place. Yes. What's going on, if who can punch you and what it does. Yeah, like, like for example, like, the they never say that the TVA agents are not normal humans. Yeah. And the TVA agents beat the crap out of Loki a bunch. Yeah, and you, <laughs> Loki doesn't do anything where he's super strong in the show, really. No. And even in... Uh, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, it's very unclear who's super strong and not a lot of times when they're fighting. And yeah. uh, in a way that it, they can keep better track of it in these movies, at yeah. least. So this, this movie, or they used to care about it more. Yeah, so this movie does a good job of Loki can beat up normal humans pretty easily. Yeah, uh, Even Captain America, who is super strong, can't really beat him up just by punching him. Yeah, he has some trouble. Then Iron Man shows up. Iron Man's blasting rock music from his Iron Man speakers. Or no, he takes over the speakers of the plane, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he takes... Black Widow's there in a plane. You know, because they have to establish he can hack. That's true, yeah. So he hacks into the, the speakers of Black Widow's plane. She's just there. She's, she was just there to drive Captain America there. Because, too... Once again, you know, Iron Man at this point, stronger than all of the nation's armies combined. That's true. He doesn't think he's going to have a problem. He doesn't. Uh, and he, I mean, he doesn't. But he, he beats up, he, he beats Loki up. Well, I think, well, 
That's what he thinks happens. <laughs> Loki gets captured on purpose, Marley. Oh, does he? Yes, yeah. I know, I know. So Loki <laughs> Loki let obviously lets himself get captured by Iron Man, Captain America, and then when they're flying uh, back to the helicarrier uh, in in the plane, uh, it starts light, uh, thundering and lightninging, light, the thunder and lightning, lightninging, lightninging, and uh, Thor uh, slams into the side of the plane. Yeah. Uh, Iron Man opens up the doors of the plane, I guess, to go fight Thor. Yeah. And then Thor grabs Loki and pulls him out of the plane, drags him down to a mountain. And you get uh, one thing I do like in these crossover movies, and they do this in Infinity War more than Endgame, is they I do like it when you try to have the scenes with the characters from different movies have those scenes feel a little more like the movie they're from. And this one scene of Thor and Loki on top of the mountain does kind of feel like Thor. Uh, oh, that, yeah. That, the acting and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it, I do think Joss Whedon tried to yeah. tell them, like, pretend, pretend Kenneth Branagh's directing you for this scene and, yeah. all, and only this scene. Well, also, too, um, Joss Whedon is a huge Shakespeare head. That's and true. And he... Likes to say all of his writing, he's trying to write like Shakespeare. That's true, and he's made um, it. Yeah, he's done a Shakespeare adaptation. Yeah, like right after this, that was his like big thing was doing a Shakespeare adaptation yeah. starring yes. Clark Gregg. Yeah, um, and yeah, and and you know, so Thor and Loki. He's worse at it than Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> he is, uh, but Chris Hemsworth remembers the good direction he got from Kenneth Branagh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I I'm a real sucker for Thor still loving Loki despite everything. Yeah, and here when they they do a little explaining where Loki's like because the Bifrost is. Broken. You're not supposed yeah. to be able to travel from Asgard to Earth. So Loki's like, ah, Odin must have really used some dark magic to get you here, brother. And I like that even now, Thor's pitch isn't like, I'm going to beat you up and kill you, Loki. His pitch is like, come home, brother. We could be a family again. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Like, yeah. Thor, the, actually, the only person in this movie who has a line where it almost seems like he's about to break into tears, except Black Widow, actually is Thor when which, talking to his brother here. Which is very uh, in in keeping with the film Thor, where everyone cries and screams a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's and, awesome. Yeah, it's good. Uh, uh, and then, yeah, then Iron Man breaks it up. He says... Uh, he, and he, Captain America has a quippy line that oh, yeah, I yeah. really oh, yeah. like. Okay, do the which line. Which is the... Um, uh, Black Widow says like oh they're they're actually from myths they're gods and he says there's only one god ma'am and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that and jumps out of the plane and that's great it's a good line um, <laughs> and yeah it is it's like there's no world where Steve Rogers wouldn't be a pretty religious man and in the comics and the movies they just pretend that's not the case and this is like the only time when they acknowledge that basically yeah yeah, um, and it, it's great. It's it's funny too, and it also acknowledges like how it's a very interesting dynamic in the comics more so than the movies, where it's like, yeah, they're gods. What about like the Christian god? Like, oh, don't worry about it. Yeah, it also I think give it. It also has a practical thing a little bit, which is part of the way Captain America re- relates to this whole movie because there's gods and magic and aliens and portals and basically the way he stays sane is basically being like eh I don't think so not really <laughs> I bet this is all just kind of regular yeah yeah it's they made a choice for no one to be surprised by anyone or say I can't believe anything yeah which I think is really smart because there's a version of this that when Captain America meets Loki he goes what are you 
That's nuts. <laughs> yeah. Or like when he meets Iron Man, he could be like, wow, a suit of armor. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And no one says that. Everybody acts like they have heard of each other before yes. and know what's going on and are like, yeah, Hulk. Cool. Well, yeah. Like, yeah, Hulk doesn't show up until almost halfway through the movie, but it's very established that every single character is completely familiar with the concept of Hulk. They might be concerned because because they're familiar, but yeah. they're, they're not surprised. Everyone gets it. Yeah. Nobody says, how could this be possible? Or yeah. Like there's aliens. No characters character ever once says wait there are aliens <laughs> yeah no at any point uh and yeah and then you get uh, uh iron man and thor fight a little bit uh and thor, thor is doing pretty good i would i would say thor he doesn't kill iron man but it doesn't look like iron man was gonna win if they kept fighting yeah uh and then captain america shows up and uh i, I like this is a, a little joke that i thought worked well is captain america shows up and he's like you guys got to stop fighting we got to just talk about this and work together so just put down the hammer and let's work this out mm -hmm. and then iron man's like oh no you shouldn't have said that he loves that thing <laughs> and yeah, thor uh just tries to wail on captain america with his hammer uh but captain america blocks it with his vibranium shield and the the shockwave of that I, I just knocked into my microphone the shockwave of that knocked into my microphone and uh like knocks all of them back and they stop fighting and then they look up and you see that loki's just sitting there like eating popcorn watching mm -hmm. them fight and i would say the only one of the only plot holes in this movie is that that's not suspicious to any of them that loki just sits there and watches this five minute fight and lets himself get captured again because they all know that he did it yeah what, what are they meant to do be like mention it seems like he wants to be captured let's take even more precautions oh yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah but they they take all the precautions they can take yeah to keep him like it's just when they reveal that his plan was to be captured they all act like they didn't know that and that mm -hmm. that's a shock and yeah of all the villains this is a it, i think it starts with the joker in dark knight there was yeah. like a wave of five years where every villain in every blockbuster movie got captured on purpose in the middle and i think loki's plan to do that is the most obvious of any villain ever yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's incredibly obvious <laughs> it will yeah yeah. Um, uh, so they they take Loki to to the helicarrier. You they earlier in the movie they talk about how the tesseract is is a unlimited power source. Yeah. But then they start talking about how Loki needs a power source in order to activate the tesseract and open up the portal. And that's a little confusing. Oh yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It's all gobbledygook. All of the like alien part of this is very just like they're aliens. Like the the aliens who aren't Loki are very just nondescript aliens. They're coming from a portal to take over the Earth. Like yeah, it's, they call they, it's funny. They so this is this is where the Ultimates thing comes in. So they call them the Chitari. Yeah. And uh, in the comics, the Chitari are evil aliens that disguise themselves as humans. But not they're they're definitely supposed to be the ultimate version of the scrolls, mm -hmm. but they don't shapeshift. It's more like the like that that old show V. They've got like human fake human skin over okay. their like reptile faces. Yeah. And the big fight at the end of the first Ultimates is fighting the Chitari. Yeah. So the fact that like the log line for the Ultimates would be Nick Fury assembles these heroes, puts them together, and they fight the Chitari. That yeah. is technically the logline of this movie, but just everything has changed. But the Chitari are just like little Halo aliens. Yeah, they they, don't... they reminded me of the District Nine aliens. Oh yeah, which are also originally Halo aliens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So we're we're three generations removed from just regular Halo aliens, but that's the the impetus for all of this. Yeah, but and they don't look like anything from Marvel, really. No, right? nothing. No, nothing at all. Uh, I thought I. 
I was really sure while I was watching this movie that uh, Annihilus was going to be the one behind it all because mm-hmm. I did think that the Chitari kind of felt like the Annihilation Wave because Annihilus just has an unstoppable ar- of endless army of bug men and yeah. what he does is open up portals from the negative zone and dump his bug men on you. Yeah. And so this felt more like an Annihilus plot to me and I thought maybe Marvel had gotten the rights to him from the Fantastic Four or something. Yeah. That's what I was expecting. Yeah. I really thought I really thought at the end of... Uh, uh, the, what's Annihilus's uh, uh, catchphrase? His, his title is. Uh, I thought at the end Lo- they'd be like Loki has failed, and then we'd be like, Oh well, now it's time for Annihilus, the living death who walks. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, means I'm a bug. I'm a big bug. <laughs> a, big... a living death is a bug. <laughs> yeah. Really weird choice for them to have the bad guy be a th- a person and not a big bug. <laughs> um, uh, just, yeah. Well. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, they're all they're all there. They're, they're all then... there. They all like get to have their little conversation. And it's funny because we're gonna like, I feel like gloss over all of the part of this movie that's really good and yeah. I really like, which is just all of them hanging out and then all of the fighting. And yeah, stuff. yeah. I mean, the thing that was affect the actual strength of this movie is all of these actors hanging out and doing scenes and being friends or not being friends. Like Tony Stark and Bruce Banner bond over uh, both being science guys. Yeah, uh, Phil Coulson like a fanboy to Captain America yeah um, like all that it's just really fun they all have really good chemistry it's all wall to wall like amazing actors yeah uh, and it's it's yeah I mean the stuff that works about this movie is the stuff you skip when you're describing the plot of the movie yeah totally um, and yeah and then like freaking this movie is just like moving 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 Hawkeye infiltrates the thing I just want to mention this because um so uh, Hawkeye breaks in to, to break out Loki. Yeah, Hawkeye's still mind-controlled. Still mind-controlled, and he shoots a hacking arrow. Yeah. Which <laughs> I didn't even notice until my best friend, Josh Whedon, pointed it out in the commentary, and he went, hacking arrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, well, I noticed the hacking arrow when I watched this movie. I thought that was awesome. Uh, I really liked that they... I liked that... Mo- this movie more than any other movie really tries to give Hawkeye trick arrows. Oh, and like, they- he doesn't have a net arrow or like a glue arrow, but like they really, they really tried their hardest to be like, what can we give him that is technically realistic, but is a trick arrow. The hacking arrow is the silliest thing that could happen. <laughs> And it's just a USB on the end of an arrow. Yeah. He shoots it. He correctly shoots it into the USB port with one try, something that people can't do with their hands. Yeah. It's amazing (laughs) that he's able to do that. And just imagining him being like, okay, so they're like, so you're going to plug, you're going to plug it in. You're going to plug in this virus. And you're like, no, I'm going to shoot it. Put it on the top of an arrow. We have to make the USB aerodynamic now. And he's like, do yeah. it. I like the idea that they're like, okay, Hawkeye, the only tricky thing is you are going to have to get to the front of the helicarrier bridge and plug in this USB. And he's like, no, no, no. I'll only have to get 50 feet towards the front <laughs> of the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> no one can be standing in front of it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it's great. Uh, I like the hacking arrow. <laughs> yeah, hacking arrow is great. I give the hacking arrow two thumbs up. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, yeah, the so... Uh, before, right before Hawkeye attacks, uh, they they try to pay off the Black Widow intro, yeah. and Black Widow goes to talk to Loki, and I I think I liked this scene when I watched it the first time, but watching it this time, I really really don't like it because uh, you don't like the scene where Loki makes Black Widow cry. <laughs> well, I mean, she's just pretending, so that's yeah. o- that's okay. Uh, she's she's exploiting the fact that he assumes that she's that fragile. That's all right, but like. 
the the way Loki is evil and like he just becomes like a serial killer all of a sudden. Like yeah. the way that he's evil in this scene and the way that he's like specifically like cruelly like menacing in like a sexist way mm-hmm. is just not what Loki's like. Yeah. And it's not what he's like in the rest of this movie. It's not what he's like in any other movies. And it's just, it just feels like using that gross, icky feeling for to just create menace against the female character yeah. in a way that's not actually, it doesn't work. It doesn't, it's not, it's not motivated by what any of these characters are like. And also, unlike the Russian guys, Black Widow doesn't do anything clever to provoke him. She's just mm-hmm. there. Yeah. She just says, we're going to beat you somehow. And then he just goes on this like super just vicious tirade that ends with him kind of giving away his plan to trick them into releasing Hulk. He means to unleash the Hulk. He means to unleash the Hulk. I think some of, there's some lines here where I think Joss Whedon forgot he was not still writing fake Western characters from Firefly. Mm. Uh, like also the way like Captain America's like, got a mission for me, Fury? Want me back in the world? Yeah. Like that's how he wrote, like the Firefly characters talked like that partly to sound old fashioned. Yeah. He also wants it to always sound like Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to have it be like... It's, it's so poetic, Marley. Because, like, that's, like, like I aimed... Like, the, what the, the Firefly line is, like, I aim to misbehave. Yeah. And it kind of works because he's, like, a Western guy. Well, and he's creating a whole world so everybody can be talking in a little made-up speech in Firefly and yeah. it's fine. Um, um, but, yeah, so I... I I, I think when I watched it the first time, I thought it was cool how evil and gross he made Loki seem. But watching it now, I'm like, why do you do that? You didn't, there didn't need to be any scene where someone's gross like this. Yeah, it's also just one of those things where, like, Loki seemed like a really good villain in this movie at the time because Tom Hiddleston is so good as Loki and Loki had been a good villain in a past movie and yeah. stuff that if he was an original character in this movie, I don't know if I would have been like, they nailed it, he's great in yeah. this. Because yeah. he's not, like... That he also has like very little motivation in this actual movie for why this is his deal. Yeah. He doesn't, you know, he has some, but like you, you really, he's riding on Thor. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the, I just, just because I forgot to mention this before, another another cool thing of like lifting stuff so it feels like it's from the other movie. Uh, one cool thing about this movie is Loki, whenever Loki's about to like do something cool, he always magically puts on his full outfit oh, yeah. with the big horned helmet. Yeah. And obviously I loved that because he doesn't wear the horned helmet very much in the Thor movie. Yeah. Uh, so I like that he wears it so much in this movie. But it's cool. The way it uh, manifests on his body is through like lens flare effects, which are used a lot in the movie Thor and not used in this movie so it is like it's like the effects from the other movie are coming with Loki and I think that's really cool yeah that that is really neat the only reason I mentioned that like just it's another scene of uh, a, a black widow almost crying and I know it's it's her being fake this time but still it's just a lot of her she's, almost yes, crying in she's this still, movie yeah she still do, does it she still yeah it, it sucks it all sucks uh, and then too, just if you see like I don't know, like it's not a, it's less of a. You get to see your turn on and off the switch in this, but you, you also like you're saying with the Hulk scene, like she also reacts to danger that way. Yeah, it's also her real reaction to danger. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So I, I that's this is the big. This scene is the one where I specifically remember liking it, and now watching it now, I don't like it at all. 
Mm-hmm. It was the biggest difference, the biggest change for me. Well, uh, it's it, probably it. because at the time it was just exciting to see Black Widow kind of doing the types of things that she should do. Yeah. Like, they understood, like, oh, like, really smart spy stuff. Yeah. But it's not actually a great scene. It's not a good scene. Uh, I didn't end up actually liking it. And then uh, all of the Avengers are kind of getting into arguments, and you it's pretty much implied that Loki's uh, spear is kind of egging them on. Yeah. Like they're all getting kind of, like, edgy and, like, getting mad at each other. They're all about to fight. Captain America finds out that S.H.I.E.L.D. was using uh, the Tesseract to make new versions of Hydra weapons. Yeah. And it is kind of funny. Captain America definitely acts like... Hydra weapons are some sort of terrible evil that can never be unleashed on this world in any way when they're basically just very good lasers. They're not different than what Iron Man's suit does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a little fun. Captain America is very anti-Tesseract. Like, when they tell him that they had the Tesseract and they lost it and they need his help getting it back, he's like, oh, I'll tell you what we should have done. Should have left it at the bottom of the ocean. Like, yeah. he really thinks that the Tesseract is inherently evil, and it's not just a power source you could use different ways. He thinks there's nothing good could ever be come of this this thing. And he's right. Nothing good ever comes of it <laughs> in, these, in these movies. It's true. Um, so, and, you know, and since we know that, you know, the Mind Stone is actually in the staff, so, like, you can't even say Vision came from it, because no. he came from a different Vision one. Vision came from the, mind, from the Mind Stone. And Vision's, obviously, he's a good guy. Yeah, Vision's a, a nice man. Um, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, and, and, and the same thing, like, the fact that the staff, the spear is messing with their minds, it, when they, they definitely did not know that the Mind Stone was in there in this movie, but it does work very well. Mind Gem. God, you're right, Mind Gem. I don't, have we talked in the podcast about how I like Infinity Gem better than Infinity Stone, and it bugs me that I now say Infinity Stone like they do in the movies? I don't know that we have. Um, well, tell us in the comments if we've talked about this before. I do like Infinity Gem better, but I always say Infinity Stone now because that's what they say in the movies. Yeah, that's what they're called in these movies. That's true. I, like I've been saying Tesseract instead of Cosmic Cube. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, then... Uh, the whole helicarrier breaking down thing is so great. Like, just seeing, seeing as fun as it is to see these heroes fight. Because the hacking arrow, the hacking arrow oh, shuts okay. down the yeah. helicarrier. And then... I'm just saying, as fun as it is to see these heroes fight, it's just as fun to see them work together. <laughs> and I, I love seeing Captain America and Iron Man trying to fix the engines or whatever. I, it's such yeah. a great scene. No, just in general, I think Iron Man is a character where it is all, it's just as interesting to see him using the suit to problem-solve disasters. Mm-hmm. Like, it, he, it is cool to see him fight, but he's a, a character that it's cool to see basically doing engineering repair projects on the fly. Uh, yeah, with, with his armor because it shows off both both what the armor can do and also you know Tony Stark is on the fly figuring out how to repair this thing. Yeah, uh, it's a really cool and that's what they do for the whole fight. Uh, the the helicarrier is under attack. Uh, uh, there's enough of an explosion that Bruce Banner becomes the Hulk, uh, and then Black Widow's running from the Hulk, crying the whole time. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. Uh, then Hulk Thor. Thor fights the Hulk. Yeah. Thor uh, shows up. He's like, Banner, calm down. It's yeah. the first the first of many times we get to see Thor say, like, just don't do this, Hulk. What yeah. are you doing? I'm confused. Because <laughs> I think Thor doesn't really know the deal with the Hulk. Yeah, actually, I think Thor probably has no idea what the Hulk is. He just has seen other people turn into ogres before. Yeah, and <laughs> He's it's also... not shocked by the general concept of trolls. Thor, also, again, opposite of Black Widow, very excited that the Hulk is so strong and he gets to hit him really hard. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's... That's definitely true. He does hit Thor Hulk really hard with his hammer, and they they do you know like uh like our dad uh, mentioned they do a they do a sequence where Hulk tries to pick up the hammer and he can't and he's really upset. 
Uh, I do. I really love how angry it makes Hulk that he can't pick up this hammer. Yeah, it's it's so good. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Because Hulk definitely doesn't know Thor's deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just when we originally seen this movie, it was just crazy to see these characters interact. And at the time, it was very mind blowing that they got it together to have Hulk and Thor be in a movie together because they're not characters that really make sense to coexist. Yeah, although this is actually not the first time Thor and Hulk have met in live action. I don't know if you know this as a, a wee a wee child. As a, yeah, I haven't watched it. Yeah, the trial of the Incredible Hulk with uh, uh, Bixby and uh, Lou Fringo. Thor was in that. There have been a oh, there had been a live action Hulk and Thor before. This is the second time. It's just as good. <laughs> it's yeah, sure. It's just as good. Uh, but uh, I think it's trial. They made two of those Hulk movies, TV movies. Thor's in one of them. Yeah, I've seen photos of that. Of yeah. like just the the uh, Thor is wearing like a, a lot of fur. Yeah, he's really not dressed like comic Thor at all. Well, because he would make sense. He's dressed more like someone from a nordic country like yeah the idea that it's cold and yeah. from the past yes yeah he's dressed more like a vi- actual viking yeah uh and then yeah the helicarrier uh crashes hulk gets hulk falls out of it thor falls out of it colson uh, dies yeah the loki stabs colson through the chest kills him yeah uh we were all really sad about it uh, couldn't believe it he never comes back that's it that's Col- one of also of joss whedon's trademark things that i thought was really smart is he kills people and things yes yeah, and it was funny because, like, Joss Whedon really likes killing a character to raise the stakes. And in his own stuff, he usually kills pretty important characters. He likes killing characters you really would think you wouldn't kill. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's kind of funny here that he had to basically take the only character he would be allowed to kill and kill him. There's no one else. It's because Coulson's the only one not from the comics. And so yeah. he's the one that dies. Yeah. Um... And then, uh, yeah, they Thor falls to the earth. Uh, Hulk falls to the earth. Coulson's dead. Everyone's demoralized. Loki's gone. He's got he's got Hawkeye. He's got the cube. They've got the power source they need to open up the big portal. The heroes have figured out he wants to open up a big portal, which yeah. means they get to talk a lot about how he's he would need this power source to power source to make the portal wide enough and last long enough. It's all about getting that real sweet portal. <laughs> yeah, they gotta get the right. Yeah, this is peak opening a portal. Yeah, like this was you know. Uh, <laughs> shooting a beam into the sky and creating a portal i would this is the you know plutonic pinna- ideal yeah, yeah this, this is, is the, the pinnacle of portal based narratives yeah <laughs> sorry the game portal <laughs> oh yeah portal's better <laughs> portal's great yeah we should do an episode where we just review the game portal yeah portal portal i love portal 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 too um yeah and then like you know they do, do the whole big fight I mean, like, yeah, and then Nick Fury in- inspires them. They do the fight. They do. They do the whole. They do the whole big fight. Yeah. Um, I do. Th- to answer your question uh, at the beginning, I think you're right. The main character of this movie is Nick Fury, because when Coulson is dying and Fury, see- Fury's the one who sees Coulson actually die. Yeah. Fury's the one who has the deathbed conversation with Coulson, where Coulson says, basically, it's well, it's actually good that I'm dying because they needed someone. I freak, does he actually say they need someone to avenge, or is he about to say that and then dies? Yeah, I don't know, man. Something like that. Uh, but then Nick Fury throws down Coulson's tr- Captain America trading cards yeah. covered in Coulson's blood. So much blood. So much blood. And he says, I found these in Coulson's jacket. I guess he didn't get a chance to ask you to sign them, Captain. Yeah. And then 
Fury tells them his idea of the Avengers, which yeah. is that the heroes should team up together. And then Captain America, Iron Man, Hawkeye, who has now been unmind controlled. There's yeah. a whole thing with him and Black Widow, and I just don't care about it, so we're not going to talk about it. Uh, but Black Widow has, has hit Hawkeye in the head so hard that he's not magically mind controlled anymore. Yeah. And uh, and they they Hawkeye, Black Widow, Captain America, Iron Man. They they they're gonna team up for real this time. They're gonna go to New York. They're gonna go to Stark Tower where they figured out Loki is. Uh, they figure it out in a real roundabout dumb way, but that's okay. Uh, and as they leave, Maria Hill is like, "Those trading cards, they weren't in Coulson's jacket. They were in his locker." And and Tony's and I, Nick Fury's like, "They needed something to inspire them." So it's like. Nothing in this movie happens by chance. All the, It all happens because of things Nick Fury does. Like, he's mm-hmm. absolutely the main character of this movie. Yeah. He just doesn't get to do anything in the climax. He does a little bit in the climax. He shoots, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. He, he, he shoots, an interesting He thing. shoots at one plane down with a rocket launcher and then does not shoot the second plane down with the rocket launcher. I forgot. No, he, he shoots at it with a little pistol. Yeah. He's like, I'll oh, shoot it with my little gun. Oh man, it won't work. It didn't work. Um, and uh, yeah, so they're they're all in New York, which now uh, very noticeable to me. I know the only real set they built is a little bit of road in front of Grand Central. Yep. So Black Widow, the entire fight for the most part is just on one little piece of road in front of Grand Central. Yeah, I mean that's another thing about this movie is it's it's the biggest Marvel movie up to this point, And it's the most expensive Marvel movie up to this point. But at this point, Marvel movies are very, very cheap for big blockbusters. Oh yeah. It has a, I would have to check the numbers, but I'm sure this has like half the budget of a Michael Bay transformers movie, which would have been like the comparable big box, other big blockbuster of the day. Avengers. Yeah. Really? I bet. I think not. I probably probably overspoke with half, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Look up, uh, look up. Let's, let's look up Avengers versus, uh, transformers two. If I'm wrong, I'll be I'll I'd be excited because I was so sure of this. Okay. Um. So the budget for Transformers Two: Revenge of the Fallen. Okay. Is two hundred million. Okay. Which is very big budget, and the budget for Avengers, according to the internet, is two hundred and twenty million. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, um, that all went to Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, it did. <laughs> the difference in the budget was only Robert Downey Jr.'s salary. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of money. Because what I was going to say is that this is um, the first one of these movies where it starts to feel like, oh, this is actually bigger than a movie has been. These are actually the biggest movies now, like in terms of budget and yeah, scale. Yeah. And yeah. the ones prior to it are don't feel that way at all. Well, I, um, I, I still feel like, like you said, Jesus they would have built more than one set if they had a, an unlimited amount of money. Yeah, because you know what the budget of Age of Ultron is? What? 365 million. Okay. So, all right, let me revise that. This movie has half the budget of a later Avengers movie. <laughs> yeah. It seems I small. had the right idea. <laughs> yeah. They get bigger. Compared to Infinity War and Endgame, it seems small. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, I don't know. I don't remember what we're talking about. So, yeah, they fight in New York. Loki opens up the big portal. Uh, the All the aliens come through. They're just sitting. It's funny. The whole movie... Uh, Thanos' little spokesman is like, the Chitari are waiting. The Chitari are impatient. Mm-hmm. And Loki's like, hold your horses. And then when he opens the portal, you see that like a million Chitari soldiers were literally just sitting there where the portal was going <laughs> to yeah. open. I'm not surprised they were getting impatient. Yeah, wh- I guess they sat there for like eight days. <laughs> yeah, what were they eating? <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, w- I want a whole prequel movie of just Chari hanging out on the other side of that portal for eight days being like what's going on yeah and the, the thing I forgot about this movie which is funny is that uh, the shield 
uh, National Security Council or whatever um, decides that they are going to just nuke Manhattan. Yeah, the only way to stop and the And Nick aliens. Fury's like, if we nuke Manhattan, we've already lost. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> you nuke Manhattan, that's bad. What are you guys talking about? And it makes sense, they're Hydra. Yeah. They wanted to nuke Manhattan the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> I guess... They've been waiting to nuke Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that does work, is because also, like, they don't have any reason to even think nuking Manhattan would close that portal in the sky. <laughs> yeah, I think they're just confused. But I, th- but I think it. You're right. It's not. It's not hard to imagine a world where Hydra, the uh, Hydra, who we learn is actually running Shield, sees this as just an opportunity to do a cool, evil thing. <laughs> yeah, and it's pretty. Um, w- uh, seems backed up by uh, these films that S.H.I.E.L.D. is evil because they're very evil in this movie. Yeah, I, I have, I mean, you know, Winter Soldier's not that far off. I I feel pretty confident at this point they probably did know they were going to reveal that S.H.I.E.L.D. was evil in some way if they didn't know all the specifics. Because yeah. also Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to premiere really soon after this and all of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. from the oh, start yeah. was based on the idea that they're going to reveal that S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. is actually evil. Uh, so I, I bet they had some idea about that. Or they made this movie and used it as a jumping off point to be like, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s pretty evil in this movie. Should we just say they are? Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, the whole Battle of New York. So they're all fighting. It's so good. This is where I go to g- g- go on the train now. <laughs> it's a g- g- really chilling to watch what would happen if aliens were running around there. It's all great. They all get to do a bunch of cool stuff. Yeah, I mean, the best... It's the best part of the movie, and we're going to talk about it for maybe two minutes, which is there's 30 minutes of cool Avengers teaming up to fight alien stuff. And yeah. it's awesome. And, uh, so right before the battle for New York, uh, the Battle of New York really kicks off, they do try to have Iron Man out of his armor talking to Loki a little bit, oh, yeah. create a little bit of a personal connection there so that Iron Man, who is abstent- who I think they thought was the main character of the movie, has a little bit of personal connection to the villain, which he really wouldn't have had otherwise. He's Yeah, he, even if they put new structurally, he's not the main character. He is because he's the best one and the only one people care about. Yeah, so they needed Tony Stark. They needed Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Hiddleston to have a nice scene together. Uh, and they do. Uh, you know, uh, I want to talk about it a little more later, but like, it's the, the weirdest thing about watching this movie is how because it was the biggest mo- Marvel movie ever and we were all so excited and it was years before there was another big movie like this. We spent those years just pouring through this movie, turning every single line and joke into a, like a, a meme that was just recycled endlessly. And it happened in the comics. We had four years of comics trying to reference the Widow's Ledger or um, having people say we have a Hulk or having people yeah. or riffing can on I, it being like, we've got a Black Bolt. Can, like, can we say that... Um, in the commentary, Joss Whedon says, because uh, it was featured very prominently in the trailers of this movie, the yeah, line, we have a Hulk. Yeah, Loki says, I have an army, and Tony Stark says, we have a Hulk. And then he cuts to Hulk going, <laughs> And uh, when we, um, in the commentary, Joss Whedon says, when I wrote that line, I thought I was just writing a line. I didn't realize what it would become. <laughs> um, so, really yeah. happy about that one. Yeah, but it's just, the, like... Because this is, it's a long movie, but it's still just one movie, and it was sort of all we had, and we just picked it apart. Like, fucking people having superheroes eat shawarma, people talking about Tony Stark and Bruce Banner as the science bros, just all these ideas that got, like, just, like, all these ideas that just got pulled out, and we just tried to milk the most out of them we possibly could, and it's weird to go back and watch them. It makes it feel, it makes this feel even less like a movie than it would have, because it's almost just a collection of famous lines and scenes you remember that don't totally even fit together as a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. Uh, and uh, one big thing we can talk about now is at the time I had never heard of shawarma. 
Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, did you, had you heard of it? I had heard of shawarma. I lived in Los Angeles. I knew about all sorts of food. And uh, since then, you know, I'm a vegetarian, so I haven't had shawarma. But oh, I, yeah, you've never had it. I've had uh, cauliflower shawarma inspired dishes. Okay. How do you like it? Good. It's okay. good. Yeah, I had so uh, I I am a vegetarian now also, but I became a vegetarian at like 25, and Austin became a vegetarian I think at five. Yeah. Uh, so I've eat, I ate a lot more meat before I stopped. I I didn't have shawarma in those five years. Okay. Um, and that line, that shawarma line, was um, uh, ad libbed by uh, Robert Downey Jr. Um, it's a good line. Yeah. Okay probably what he wanted to eat <laughs> he was just actually he was looking at the, the craft services uh, across the way looking yeah. at what they actually were going to eat when they finished the scene he's actually saying to Joss Whedon are we done can we go get some shawarma <laughs> speaking of are we done can we get some shawarma are we done what, what, uh, what, what do we want to say about these guys yeah I guess is there anything else you remember from the anything else you want to talk about the big scene Hawkeye has some more trick arrows yeah Hulk shows up Hulk uh, Hulk, Hulk is great Hulk shows up Hulk's he the best Hulk. part of this movie Hulk is, is very very good in this movie it's, it's very 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 unclear why Hulk is an unstoppable killer monster on the helicarrier and a fun friend in New York. Uh, there's they there's really no explanation for because why he, he became the he became the Hulk on purpose instead I, of becoming the Hulk because he fell down. Yeah, but that's not I don't I reject that as a legit as a good response as a good reason for how Hulk works. He's always angry, Marley. That doesn't mean anything. It means you know I. If he really is always angry, what was the difference on the helicarrier? He doesn't actually make sense. He's keeping his BPM down. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's not how it works in this movie. No, he, he starts, like, uh, jiggling. You can't really see, but he's jiggling around and getting his BPM up. Is no, when he turns if, it, if it worked like that, he would have had to electroshock himself to become the Hulk. I'm always angry. Tases himself, falls <laughs> on the ground, and turns into the Hulk. Yeah. I'm always angry because of how the stupid Hulk thing works. You know my secret? I'm always angry. And then he starts doing uh, jumping jacks. Yeah. <laughs> And then it doesn't like that line of that line of that's my secret cap. I'm always angry. We all bought it. I forgot it. they set it up so much. He keeps saying like he keeps almost saying you want to know my secret. Yeah. And then he finally tells you. It's a little bit like um, the uh, want to know how I got these scars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where is, you it's... never really find out. Yeah. I I really don't think I think Hulk works awesome in this movie. I don't think that I'm always angry thing works well in this movie. Uh, but I will. Uh, I think the last thing I want to just say is uh, one little arc in this movie that I think works really really well is. Bruce Banner obviously wants to never be the Hulk again. He, he still thinks, even after the events of the movie The Incredible Hulk, he still thinks there's no good application of the Hulk. There's no use for the Hulk. Mm-hmm. And Tony Stark says to him, in addition to just jabbing him with a pen and trying to turn him into the Hulk as a joke, Tony Stark does say the amount of gamma radiation that you were absorbed should have killed you. Mm-hmm. So... The, uh, and, and Bruce Banner's like, you saying the Hulk saved me? Mm-hmm. And Tony Stark pretty much says, uh, Bruce Banner says, like, why? And basically, Tony Stark tries to give Bruce Banner the motivation that Tony Stark has, which yeah. is, Hulk saved your life. It was probably for a reason. Mm-hmm. And the reason was to save Tony Stark from falling to his death. Yeah. And I do think it's very, I do think it's very effective that the only person who has faith in, has faith that Bruce Banner will show up, the only person who thinks the Hulk could be a good thing is Tony Stark. And then Hulk does show up and specifically saves Tony Stark. Tony Stark is saved by his faith in his new friend. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's cool. It's funny too. You keep, keep mentioning how often Tony Stark tries to kill himself. Yes. And there's a line where Captain America says like, you're not the guy to make the sacrifice play. And I would be great if he just said like, 
no, I try and kill myself all the time. (laughs) You don't even know. Sometimes it doesn't even make sense and I try and do it. Yeah, I would argue jabbing Hulk with a pen as a joke is basically trying to kill yourself. (laughs) Yeah. And he was like, that's not what I mean by sacrifice play. Uh, yeah, and then, yeah, this, this, this is the movie where they acknowledge that Tony Stark is willing to sacrifice himself to save everyone, something that really had been pretty established in the Iron Man movies because he catches the nuke that yeah. was supposed to blow up Manhattan. He flies it through the portal. He blows up the Chitauri mothership. Goes, and then, thankfully, that turns off all the Chitauri, a thing that they did actually, not actually know was going to happen. One thing that, well, yeah, but it... Uh, yeah. They were closing the portal anyway, which is the bigger thing. Well, it would have been bad if they closed the portal and there were still thousands of angry Chitari down there. Yeah, Thor could do it. <laughs> Thor was going to win. I would I actually would have... I know they did it just to make the ending cleaner. That, oh, the portal's closed and also all the Chitari are dead because I guess they were a hive mind. Yeah. Uh, I actually think it would have been way better if they blew up the portal and then all the Chitari just put down their guns and like put their hands oh, up and yeah. surrender. And it's a thing in this world that there's just like a thousand Chitari hanging out. Yeah. Like District 9, which is what they remind me of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, okay. But yeah, then they, they save the day, they beat Loki, they handcuff him, Thor takes Loki and the cube back to Asgard. <laughs> it's just the beginning of this story. Yeah, just the beginning. And uh, and they all go their separate ways, and, and Nick Fury says he's not going to track them. They all earn the right to live their own lives, and if we ever need them again, they'll come. Because, but they're like, how do you know they'll come? And he's like, because, we'll, because they'll have to. Because we'll need them. Because, oh boy, am I in trouble if they don't. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then he says... I have this pager to call Captain Marvel. <laughs> she doesn't answer. She doesn't answer she it. Never. We. She's the only one I would have called if she had answered. She actually. Obviously, I called her. The pa- the pager doesn't work. She just noticed that half of everybody was gone and realized <laughs> that that was bad. And yeah. It was like. Yeah, I do. This is the only. This is really the the one movie where if they had known that he had a Captain Marvel pager they would have had to explain why he wasn't using the Captain Marvel page. He would have paged her and she would have been like, no, <laughs> I'm not coming, sir. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, so that's that's the movie. That's Avengers. Can you believe that Thanos is going to be in these movies eventually? Uh, I can because he's in this one. That's what I mean. Like, because there's the teaser and, and he's like, yeah. So my, my biggest memory of really like geeking out about this movie is that is that mid credit sequence when the when Thanos, when the the stupid little guy is like, the humans are stronger than we than we were told. To court them is to court death. Yeah. And then the guy he's been talking to this whole time turns around, and you see Thanos, and he's a different color, and it's a different CG model. Mm-hmm. They actually have a hu- actual human hand painted purple, mm. uh, and Thanos looks right at me, Marley, and smiles and goes, "You know that death is my whole thing, Marley. I love this." <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, I lost my mind. I have no, like, I was less on the internet about this stuff back then. I have no idea if they actually kept the Thanos thing completely secret or, oh. if, there, or if there were rumors at the time, but I had no idea. It's probably the last time they completely blew me away with a reveal in one of these Marvel movies uh, is that, that shot of Thanos. I was so excited. Thanos was Thanos and, Adam, and you know, like our, like our dad said, Thanos and Adam Warlock and all that stuff was some of my favorite stuff, and I was just blew my mind that they were actually going to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Marley, how many how many Iron Mans do you give this you, movie? You have to go first. Okay, but I'm just the only okay. So I, on your scale, uh-huh. how many the movie Iron Man is mm-hmm. this movie Avengers worth? Okay, I am going to give this movie uh, one point three Iron Mans. 
Okay, is this the first? This is the first one that's above an Iron Man, right? It's above an Iron Man. So you, you, this is okay. Nice. Is that partly because if you really want to watch a cool Iron Man movie, this is actually one of your better choices? Um, no, Iron Man is a better movie, probably, <laughs> but this one has all my best friends in it. Okay, one point um, three Iron Man. I, I love it. I mean, like, it, it too. It depends on like who you're talking to. If you, if somebody is an MCU fan, this is a really great movie. If someone is normal and doesn't <laughs> care about these movies, Iron Man is a better movie. It makes sense on its own. You don't need to know a bunch about these characters outside of these movies to enjoy it. Okay, well, so my scale is to just count how many Iron Mans uh, are in a movie, uh-huh. uh, as everyone knows, as our loyal listeners know. And this one's very straightforward. Uh, uh, he's got his original, he's got his suit. I think it's uh, it's the same suit he had at the end of Iron Man 2, as far as I know. Yep. Um, and then he has a new suit uh, that uh, attaches to his little bracelets and catches him in the air. It's the fastest, most easy to apply Iron Man suit we've seen up to this point. There are two Iron Man suits in this movie. I give this movie two Iron Mans. Woo! <laughs> Less than you'd think. Yeah, actually. But I think it's because it's a team-up. How many... You can't fit... You can't have uh, hog the spotlight with costume changes. Speaking of how you can't fit two Iron Mans in this movie, why is War Machine not in this movie from a story point of view? From a story point of view, there's no good reason for uh, Rhodey to not be in this movie. I mean, it's because Joss Whedon successfully kept all the supporting characters out except for uh, Pepper. Yeah, yeah. And because yeah. also, if, if if Professor Selvig is, like, the perfect person to help Loki with his plot, then Jane Foster would probably have been a good person to help them catch them. You know what's also a weird thing about him keeping everybody out? Selvig is in the movie, right? Yeah, I and mean, he's a Thor guy. Coulson is in the movie, and he's a supporting person yeah. from all of them. And Loki is a supporting character from one of the movies. Yeah, Thor has a lot of his supporting characters in this movie because Loki Thor's really upset when he finds out. And Hawkeye is from Thor. Yeah, that's why. But yeah, but they they didn't meet. I just mean like for him to be like none of the supporting cast is there. You just like I don't want anyone anybody's wife there. I don't want anybody's wives. He basically just yeah he really yeah yeah, that's true because they 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 certainly could have said Liv Tyler's in this movie and just kept the same Betty Ross. They didn't have to say she's never going to show up again. Yeah, or had a different... There could have been a... He, yeah, Betty Ross could have been in the movie or could have been a different person. Yeah. And also, too, like, Black Widow is in the movie and from uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s perspective, he'd be like, she was a supporting character from my movie. What do you mean? Yeah. It does It does seem like more than anything, he just didn't want any of the love interests in the movie. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, Bucky's not in the movie, so... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, but the, so the only one who doesn't have supporting cast in it is the one who's all of his supporting cast is dead. Yeah, everyone else has somebody. Yeah. Thor has a bunch. Iron Man has a bunch. Um, I mean, well, Hulk died. They don't bring in anyone from Hulk's world. Yeah, but he's a, an original character, he's a complete, basically. He's a completely new Hulk. Uh, yeah, so that's, uh, I think that's Avengers. Do you got it's anything Avengers. else you want to? The one thing I want to say, earlier in the podcast, long-time listeners from earlier today might remember <laughs> that... Uh, uh, you said that um, dad is a pacifist yes. and it made both me and you be pacifists. Yes. And I just wanted to say I am a warmonger now. <laughs> I didn't tell anybody that, but I'm into war now. I'm trying to start a couple. Um, I haven't picked up any steam yet. Okay. Uh, well, uh, uh, I would like to end this episode by saying that when me and Austin first had the idea to do this podcast in uh, February 2020, uh, we said that 
we would just uh, do a couple episodes, maybe go up to Avengers, see how we feel, decide if we want to do any more. Mm -hmm. uh, and now it is uh, basically August 2020, and we are recording Avengers, and we have not actually released one single episode of this podcast. Uh, so I guess we have to just keep going because we don't even know if people like it yet. Our plan is to start releasing episodes in our time right now, basically right now. Mm -hmm. So the next couple episodes that you hear, you might see hear us just all of a sudden be really depressed as we realize that everyone <laughs> actually hates our podcast because <laughs> we had no idea when we recorded these first five. Uh, and uh, But yeah, this is definitely... Uh, a big milestone for the MCU recording this episode is a big milestone for our podcast. And yeah, it's it's a very exciting time. And just very quickly, I would like to announce right now that I am declaring war on Burlington, Vermont. Oh, strong sure. They're pretty close. That's a you could do. That's that's not uh, the supply chains will be reasonable from here to there. Yeah. Great, great. Well, uh, obviously, uh, we've got many more Marvel movies to go. Uh, but our, actually, our next episode is going to be an extra special surprise with some more extra special guests. Uh, and uh, it would be pretty exciting if we ever did a movie about someone who is especially super. <laughs> it would be if only there were a man like that. Find out on the next Hero Rewatch. Hero Rewatch. We love you. Thanks so much for listening to us. Please give us a follow and rating if you liked it. Our intro and outro music are by Josh Pan. Art is by Will Patrick. I edit the podcast. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Hero Rewatch. Marley is Marley HG on Twitter, and I'm Austin HG. And check out Marley's show, Aquaman, King of Atlantis, out now on HBO Max. See you next time. Bye.